Thank you for tuning in to the Armchair Scholars Podcast, a show that attempts to get inside the minds of experts in their field, hoping to better understand their perspective and further expand on our own. I'm Brendan. And I'm Nick. And we're sitting down with professors to talk about their fields of study and how their wealth of knowledge can be helpful to listeners and ourselves. Brendan, who did we have on the show today? Today we had Dr. Jeremy Cloward. He's a political science professor and author. He teaches at Holy Names University and Diablo Valley College, and he's also run for public office on three occasions. And he drops knowledge like a B-52 bomber. Wow. Yeah, that is very true. Very interesting conversation. What were some of the topics we talked about? We talk about potential strategies for appropriating funds in the federal budget, some of the issues with the current political landscape, and his opinions on how it can be improved. What was your favorite part of the interview? I think I really enjoyed hearing who he thinks would be a very good candidate for future elections. Stay tuned and check that out. But yeah, we hope you all enjoy this conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah. When you're looking at fascism, how are you trying to, what are you trying to learn about it? And for what purpose do you think it's valuable to have an in-depth understanding for somebody in, in your spot? Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a great question. Let me also say thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's Thanks nice for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. we really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, you know, you know, what is my interest in, in, in fascism? Uh, you know, my main interest in fascism is I just think it's fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, Adolf Hitler is literally a once in a 500 year character this is right. you know that shows up on the political scene and, and even he knew right that he was a, a unique person i would i would say right and and nicholas and i at least nicholas i think has heard this before and that you know he even said before me there was a attila the hunt right and attila the hunt existed you know 500 ad you know so you know you're you're really looking at 1500 years since we we saw someone like adolf hitler so in any case, he's not the only, you know, he's not all that is connected to fascism. There's, you know, more connected to fascism. You know, it's a, it's a set of beliefs. And there's, there's um, but that's, I think, what draws a lot of people in first, right, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. You know, how does a man, because in the end, that's what Hitler is, right? And, and the country didn't, you know, in spite of what is talked about with respect to Nazi Germany, you know, no one was brainwashed in, in Nazi Germany, right? You know, I mean, our, our people, our voters that support the individual in the White House right now, brainwashed. You know, the answer is no, right? Yeah. You know, they're making conscious choices about mm-hmm. what they're doing. You know, are they ignorant? Yeah, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, are they racist in my view? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. And I would say their racism is overriding their, their reason mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but they're not brainwashed. You know, they are going to have to answer to history. You know, no two ways about it, right? Yeah. And history is not going to be kind to the Republican Party. It's not going to be kind to the supporters of the individual in the White House. It's not going to be kind to the individual in the, in the White House. I mean, just period. Uh, the same as it wasn't kind, as it has not been kind to Adolf Hitler or, or fascism. So, but it is a set of uh, beliefs, a, a set of ideas. And, you know, it, one of the reasons why it's it's interesting to, you know, ultimately I'm by trade a political scientist, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I don't really think of myself that way, but that, you know, that is tech, that is what I am. 
Um, but one of the reasons why you look at history is because when you look at history, ancient Rome or you know Nazi Germany or whatever it is, what what you do find is that there's similarities to what's going on today. Yeah. Right. And you know one of the most basic principles of uh, of fascism, uh, one of the most troubling ones, really, is is that you point to a group of people, and, and we know this. I mean, you guys are otherwise thoughtful people, so you, you know this, and you are educated people. That you, you you point to an individual or a group of individuals that you say are the cause or, or are responsible for the problems in your society, and they really have nothing to do with the problems in your society. Uh, of course, the historical example that we're thinking about <clears throat> when we talk about fascism is, uh, of course, the, the Jews. Right, uh, they weren't the only group, but that's the group that stands out in, in history, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. For obvious reasons. Yeah, right? yeah. For obvious reasons, uh, but in today's society, in in, in U.S. society, uh, quite clearly, you know, the Republican Party, the current administration, um, uh, is pointing to uh, Muslims, is pointing to to Mexicans. Uh, and, and as the cause of the, pro of the problems in the United States and, and Muslims and Mexicans, right? I mean, you could say Hispanics in general, but it's really Mexicans who they're overwhelmingly focusing on mm -hmm. have absolutely zero to do with the problems in the United States today. In fact, yeah. overwhelmingly what we're, we, we see is, <laughs> you know, with, with the, you know, first of all, I mean, you, you know, the concern I suppose is terrorism, right? And there's a, some kind of connection between uh, being Muslim, right? You know, I mean, Obama is is called a Muslim, right? You know, some of the, the some of the some of the the supporters of the current president will say, you know, I don't care what anyone says, Obama is a, is a Muslim, right? No one's going to convince me otherwise, right? <laughs> number one, who cares, right? If he's a Muslim or not, right? Yeah. Number one, but number two, does Muslim equate to terrorist, right? I mean, it doesn't, right? It just yeah. simply does not. Yeah. Number, you know, number three, I suppose, is you literally have, you know, in spite of this war on terror, that the United States is spending hundreds of billions of dollars on every year. You know, our military budget's some $1.2 trillion right now, which is greater than all other 194 countries combined. Literally. Um, in fact, you cut it. You cut the military budget. Uh, a few years ago, anyways, you could cut the military budget by nine-tenths. And you'd still outspend second place China by twenty billion dollars, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's something like two hundred and fifty billion or something like that, and we're in the tri or two hundred fifty is it billion or billion? The military budget in China. In China, the military budget now is one hundred seventy five billion. Actually, okay, it, it a couple years ago was a hundred billion. So that's where you get Got that it. number of being able to cut it by ninety yeah, percent. Right okay. now, it's less. Right now, you you'd have to you'd cut it by like I think it's seventy eight percent or mm -hmm. something like that, and you'd still outspend second place China. Right? <laughs> if you're still concerned about being right. number one, right? Yeah. It's like cut it by seventy eight percent. You can still you can still be number one. But the reality is you have a better chance uh, of falling out of your bed in the morning and dying than you do being killed by a terrorist attack in the United States. Yet, and you guys just went through it, you know, yet our, our students are paying, if you go to a lights out university like UCLA or Berkeley, right, you know, at UCLA anyways, you'll pay as much as $50,000 a year just to go to a public university. Yeah. You know, the public university like that, who needs private universities, right? I mean, that's pretty damn expensive, yeah, right? Yeah, so, a lot of money. Absolutely. You know, I'm not sure what Berkeley was, but I know it's, 
I know it's getting up there, right? I mean, after four years, you're practically in most areas of the United States, you're mortgaging yeah, your education. No question about it. You which know, is crazy. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I think Nicholas has heard this, you know, I, I spent seven years in, in graduate school and I, you know, I owe so much money to, you know, in student loans that, you know, my, my plan is basically to, you know, dodge my student loan officer for the rest of my life and then die, you know, and that's the, basically And the I'm sad thing to. is you're not alone by a long shot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So many people, it's, which is sad. I mean, like how we got to a place where we were allowing this to happen and, you know, for somebody in your shoes, obviously going and getting an advanced degree, mm. you're going to be well suited to maybe address these problems in the future of debt. But a lot of people are getting degrees like they don't know what they're going to do when they get out of school and they're not going to be equipped to pay this debt off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely. a giant disaster. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the, the, the student loan debt is, is probably the next bubble. You know, the last bubble. I, I know Nicholas is familiar with this. Um, but the the last bubble was the housing crisis, mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. know, with all the interest only loans, um, the ninja loans, you know, loaning people money when they had no, you know, no income, no job, no assets, literally, right? right no collateral mm -hmm. at, at all. Um, and then the banks betting that you know that people were going to default on their loans, which is exactly what they did, because once the the loans ballooned up, they went to the banks to to get right to get refinanced. And the bank said, you know, sorry about that, but we don't think you're credit worthy anymore. And yeah. we're going through a little bit of credit crunch. We don't have money for you to to refinance your loan. And by the way, even though they didn't tell anybody, we're betting we're betting against you, right? We're yeah. betting on you to fail. So absolutely. So that was the last bubble, the housing crisis. We know how that turned out, right? Not good. Right. And not good. Absolutely, right? Yeah. And, and huge bailouts, right? You know, by first George Bush and then Barack Obama, you know, some $2.5 trillion. At the time, that was equal to our total tax revenue at the federal level, right? Um, you, you know, the, the next, you know, credit card debt is not good, right? Student loan debt is is bad. Uh, I'm, I'm part of that bubble, right? I'll tell you flat out, you know, uh, it, you know, you, you mentioned, Brennan, that you know, that, that people are getting advanced degrees and they think they're going to go out and get a job that then is going to then pay it, you know, be able to pay that off or or maybe not pay it off, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But, mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm one of those people, right? I mean, there's a lot of people in education, you know, I'm, you know, I get paid $33,000 a year, right? It's like when you, when you make that kind of money, how are you going to pay off your student loan debt? Well, you're not going to, right? The, the reality is what's going to happen is at some point those loans are going to come due and they're not going to just say, okay, you know, don't worry about it anymore. Right. And then they're going to come after you and you're going to say, I ain't got it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Right. There's mm -hmm. your, so there's your, so if you, know, unless you elect the right people and if you elect the right people, then maybe people, you know, people like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, right. Bernie Sanders, people like this, people that are sympathetic to this, this notion of, of canceling student loan debt, Elizabeth Warren, et cetera, then, then, then you don't got to worry about that outcome. But with this current Congress, with the current president, that's just not going to happen. You know, there's no mm -hmm. two ways about it. Yeah. It's super so, frustrating too, because it's like, yeah. uh, you're getting blamed for, or like you're getting punished for wanting to excel your knowledge yeah. in education. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Right. And, um, I want to ask, like, sure. is everybody on the other side of this is saying like, 
well, how are we, how are you going to afford it? Like, how can you afford it? How are you going to pay for this stuff? Like, how are you going to pay for free college? Right. Um, right. Like what? Oh, yeah. Everybody on the other side is going to ask that. So I'm, I'm curious it, as to what your take on it sure, is. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's a great question. What's amazing, you know, what's amazing to me is, you know, how simple the answer is. Right. And how rarely you ever hear it spoken by our political leaders or anyone in the media. Right. It's like, I mean, how, how it's missed is just beyond me. Right. And it really takes us back to the United States military. Right? I mean, the Department of Education says that that a, a, a free education, right, a free education mm-hmm. for all of our 19 million college and graduate level students would be, I believe their number is $67 billion. Right. Um, well, the military, you know, you're spending the actual military budget, you know, yeah, we say it's $700 billion a year, but it's when you include, uh, supplemental spending for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, home, uh, space defense, home, um, uh, department of Homeland care for our veterans, nuclear weapons, et cetera, all these things that are really military, right? Mm-hmm. That are not included in, in what's in, in, in the military budget. And you actually look at the actual military budget. As we mentioned, as I, as we were just talking about, it exceeds $1.2 trillion, right? So, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but, you know, I don't know. You know, cut the military <laughs> budget by $67 billion, right? Yeah. You're still at over $1.1 trillion, and you send everyone to school for free. Right, yeah. Yeah. that that's going to the Department of of uh, of Education. I say it's actually a hundred and ninety billion dollars, right? Um, to pull off the education to pull off for edu- free free universal education, okay. right? Um, the 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 Department of so if you look at the federal level in terms of spending, um, only one you know if you want to know what a society values, look at what they spend their money on, right? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, you can say whatever you want, right? We can say whatever we said, right? It's like, oh, we value education, right? <laughs> well, if that's true, then why is only 1% of the federal budget going to, to education, right? So the reality is the states make up the, the most amount, right? They're, they're the ones that really pay the lion's share of, of your education, right? Of, to the degree that we're still getting public educations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, of course, are subsidizing it as well, right? You're, you're paying for it as well. So if you got 19 million college and graduate level students, you cut the military budget by $190 billion, that allocates $10,000 to each college and graduate level student, right? There's 18 million college students, 1 million graduate level students. The most expensive education in California at the state level is CSU Chico. It's eight thousand, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Right, so not everyone can go to you know UC Berkeley, right? I mean, with that type of money, mm-hmm. but certainly everyone can get a state education, right? Yeah. And, and you you know you 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 go to a state like you know Tennessee, you know Middle Tennessee State, or East tuition is going to be much lower, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so at at this point, it, you know. Uh, you would have enough money. Um, you, you know, it's it's right there. You know, it's already. You know, we're already paying those taxes, right? right. So the money's right there um, to send to send all of our 19 million college and graduate level students to to school for free. And then the the nice thing about that is that then at the state level, uh, instead, you know, because a huge portion of the the state budget. Uh, is taken up just by education. All of a sudden, that money is there, right, for 
all the states, all 50 states, to do whatever they want to do with it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, expand healthcare for the poor, you know, or to you know to build more public parks or to work on infrastructure you know however you know however we want whatever we want to do with it mm-hmm. um so so you know that's the most basic way the most obvious way to do it but when when we yeah. look at the like in 2016 when we had the change in administration mm-hmm. I know Barack Obama had a fairly significantly less spend on the military. Do you know what the differential was just to get an idea of like, because I know that that's again, like Nick is saying, like a huge argument to that point is that um, like, these are important for national security. Like we have to be spending this money, but you can debate the national security thing. When you look at Barack, we got through Barack Obama's administration fine from a national security standpoint. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I don't know that necessarily like everything Every penny that I would be surprised if every penny that um, Donald Trump put back into the military would have to go towards education. I'm sure it would not be all of it. No, absolutely. Right. So even if we did a fraction of what he sent back to the military, back to the military and covered the education thing. Yeah. You know, I would think we could probably get pretty close to doing both. Uh, Not both in, in their yeah. exact existence, but Brandon, I, you know, I would say you could absolutely cover both <laughs> without a bomb, yeah. right? You know, let's let me just say a, a word about that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know the the military, uh, you know, uh, just it, you know it it dominates our society, and and we just don't even see it, right? You know, some people call it the invisible institution, and. And let's just address this this issue right off the bat. So you, you know when you when you look at military spending under Barack Obama and and the current administration, it, it's not that it's not that different actually. Okay, right? what you do have, right? What you what what you do have when you look at the numbers, right? When you know what the numbers were, what, when you know what the numbers are today, is you have a president lying about mm. what Barack Obama did with the military. That's what you have, Got right? It. Or you have a president that is just outright ignorant. I, I'm not, no, I think he is ignorant, right? I mean, I think he has a, st- he shows a stunning level of ignorance. Um, I, I think he's, I don't think, I know he is, and this kind of is in your wheelhouse. He's a pathological liar, you know I mean? He's, he's you know, over it's 20. It's amazing, <laughs> it, right? Yeah. It is amazing. Like, consistently, right? it's, it's pretty wild to see. Yeah, it is, yeah. right? I mean, he's got tw- you know, he's told over 20,000 lies, right? You know, he's like the, he's the father of lies, you know, and and uh it, it, you know, it's it's just a it, you know, it's not just that. It's it's a question of his mental health as well, you know. It's uh his and again, in your wheelhouse, right? But it's, you know, to me, it, you know, he looks very much like the the uh ancient Roman em- emperor uh, Caligula. Right, who everyone accepted was, you know, self-obsessed and amoral. You know, mm-hmm. uh, had had no no real ability to administer government. You know, had no talent for it. Uh, his mind was a mess, just like you know the current president. In fact, you know, Caligula was is pretty much universally agreed upon that he was he was insane, right? And and really, the the lesson that comes down to us from 
history that echoes down from history that continues to. And sometimes we don't, I don't think we always hear it. I know we don't hear it because the 2016 election wouldn't have happened if we did. Is the toxic mix of mixing madness and power together, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all living through it right now. I mean, you've got a man literally right now already trying to undermine this next election. Um saying that you know that there's going to be widespread fraud you know in, in the election how the hell he knows that is beyond me right i mean it's, yeah. does he know the future you know come on <laughs> you know the only so you know there's i mean uh, you can't know that uh in fact you, you know there was a, a, a study done by um loyola law school actually really uh quite recently and and the study was from um 2001 to 2000 14 actually and they tried to look at uh, fraud right like people voting twice mm. and out of a billion votes cast there's 338 million people in the united states over a billion votes were cast in in that time period and a grand total of 31 people voted twice wow right so that's my point right and, right. and that's really and you can't even prove that those are even intentional <laughs> Well, who knows, right? Yeah, right. Right. Ones or someone's got dementia, right? Yeah. They don't know what the hell. Or somebody gets told that their ballot got lost. You know, like, I mean, 31 accidents out of a billion, I could believe they were all accidents. I mean, I'm not (laughs) saying that they were, but. Excuse me. Anomalies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the danger of those, like his statements that he makes. So, because he already has that following and. Excuse me. He makes this statement and it's believed. Like. Yeah. Right away. It's like this election is going to be fraud. Absolutely, man. You know, those those people aren't, <clears throat> you know, his supporters are not thinking people, you know. They're just not thoughtful people. There's just no two ways about it. Um, what What is that? But he's, like, how do you explain it? It's a great question, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's really a, a great question. Um, but I think there's a, there's a couple answers to that, that question. You know, one of them, if you look at the race component anyways of the, of these individuals right really in the the midwest and 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 the south meaning they're allowing their racism to override their reason right mm-hmm. is it is that our country our framers uh who are wealthy men themselves you know who you, you know more than, i mean they were literally the international owning class of their day you know george washington is still one of the 50 wealthiest men in in the history of the united states you know wow. which is no small matter yeah. right i mean considering he was living in the late 1700s right and you've had absolute titans since then right carnegie mellon right gates Ellison, you know, I mean, just go, you know, Zuckerberg. Bezos. Your Bezos, yeah. absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely, right? So, um, but in any case, in order to, in order to confederate with the South, right? In order for the Northern states to confederate with the South, uh, literally they made a deal with the devil. And the deal with the devil was to, to uh, make lawful, uh, slavery right into our most sacred founding document, and that's const- and that's the Constitution. Um, and we have not, you know, we we eventually re- we eventually reaped the country reaped a bitter harvest from that deal, which was the the Civil War. You know, that it really wasn't that long ago, right? When you when you think yeah. about it, right? I mean, it's 150 years ago or so. You know, you had some 800,000 people die, 750,000 people die, right? 
uh, you had a you had another um, you had another five hundred thousand people that were maimed, right? Trying to bring in bring an end to slavery. They, you know, it does end, but the dark shadow of slavery has been cast across the country, and we mm-hmm. still can't outrun it, right? Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, I, I know you guys know this history, but um, you know, slavery was placed replaced by Jim Crow laws and black codes and you know, black men, black boys, you know, young, at least black teens anyways, could, you know, could literally be hung in the South if they were caught looking at a white woman, right? Um, excuse me, in spite of the, excuse me, in spite of the um, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, the Reconstruction Amendments, which were attempt to literally bring the South back in with the North, Um you know the this which you know the first one ended slavery the thirteenth amendment this was Lincoln of course right the fourteenth amendment grants African Americans uh, citizenship and the fifteenth amendment grants African Americans the right to vote right I mean this is this is in the eighteen sixties or the eighteen seventies right and it, it takes till nineteen sixty five before African Americans even get the right to vote right I mean I'm old enough that my second and third grade teacher, she was oldest Rouse from, from Oakland, actually. Great teacher, my best teacher I ever had. Uh, her and another, actually, black professor in, in uh, the university that I went to. Um, you know, she couldn't even vote before for, you know, the first, I mean, she was probably 40 when we had her, right? But she would have missed like the first five years or so of her, you know, late teens and twenties and before she could even vote. And that's so powerful because I think a lot of people try and bring up the argument that like, that it's, it's not around anymore, right. but there's so many people Who's like when you start talking to people and it's like, yeah, my my great grandmother was in X, Y, or Z situation, and sure. you're like, and like we heard their stories passed down, like it's so real. Like I just gave myself chills because yeah. it's like, like these are real people, real That's stories, right. and like That's they right. can't be ignored. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Right? And I think they oftentimes there's attempts to like sweep that stuff under the rug. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Ola Strauss, you know, my guess would be about 75. So, you know, this is my, again, my second, third grade teacher. She's, there's a decent chance she's still alive, right? Yeah. And she couldn't vote at one point, right? It, it ain't the ancient history, no. right? It's not ancient history, you know? My mom's old enough that, you know, she breathed the same air as Adolf Hitler did. So, you know, that's not ancient history, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, you know, she was under five years old, but still she was, you know, she was alive. Yeah. Any case, so you know that's the you know, and and these ideas they die hard. You know they don't they don't die easy. History moves slowly. You know, and it's unkind mm-hmm. to those. And I think Nicholas probably uh, remembers this, right? Is that you know it's unkind to those that try to make it move any faster than it's ready to move. You know that's Malcolm X, right? That's that's Martin Luther King. That is John F. Kennedy to to some measure, right? John F. Kennedy was. You know, he was a torn man, uh, I think, in, in, in many ways about which direction to go in terms of ending the, you know, the, the Vietnam War, but also feeling like he needed to stay in the Vietnam War. But in, in the end, it does look like he was trying to end it. Um, and he, you know, it wasn't the only thing that, that, that Kenny was trying to do, he was trying to negotiate uh, an end to the Cold War in, in, in general, which is not what his generals around him wanted to see. And, you know, it's a whole nother topic and it's an in-depth topic, but, um, 
you know, a good man that, you know, ultimately was, was assassinated and he may well have been, been killed, may well have been assassinated for, for what he was trying to do. Right. You, you know, you don't kill people for no reason. You kill people that are actually doing something. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but the second part of that question, <clears throat> Nicholas mm-hmm. is, <clears throat> is, um, so that's number one, you know, just, just, just race is just racism. You know, the, the, the racism that's been in, the United States since day one that was sewn into our founding documents. But the second part is, <clears throat> you know, neoliberalism, uh, the political philosophy, the political economic philosophy, the political doctrine of neoliberalism hit the United States in 1980. You know, what's neoliberalism? Neoliberalism is is when you deregulate capital and you allow capital to just run wild right you let you know capital chase capital in other words you know corporations multinational corporations just do whatever they want right and this is one of the reasons why we got into the housing crisis in the first place is because literally part of that de- that neoliberal political philosophy was <clears throat> to deregulate the banks right and this was the undoing of glass steagall that was excuse me brought into existence uh, under FDR, who was, you know, lights out. You know, he's, I mean, he's like one of the, the best, pre- without question, you know, top, forward thinking, thoughtful, uh, you know, intelligent, very practical, you know, got things done, period. You know, he's like you know, maybe second best president we've ever had, so, something like that. Lincoln's always number one. But in any case, so, so neoliberalism hits. Uh, what happens? Uh, Banking's deregulated. Corporate corporations in general are, are deregulated. Unions, you know, we start seeing unions getting broken up. Uh, neoliberalism hits in the United States in 1980 with Reagan's election and in Great Britain with Margaret Thatcher. It eventually is imposed all over, right, the, the third world, literally. And the other part of that, the other part of neoliberalism is uh, to cut the social welfare states, right? Which is exactly what we saw in in Great Britain and in the United States as well. Well, it, that may not sound like a big deal, but you know, the social welfare state includes things like education, right? The social welfare state includes things, you know, just simple things like, excuse me, like like food stamps, right? That forty six million people in the United States, one in seven people in the United States, right now are are depending on and you know food stamps are criticized on a regular <laughs> regular basis by the republican party and it's an absolute joke right i mean number one maybe we should question you know the the moral compass of someone that has a problem given to the poor in the first place right you, you know especially that's number one i would say i think there's an ethical dimension there but number two the average food stamp benefit to someone that is poor, meaning, you know, what you're going to get for a meal if, if you're poor is a dollar forty-five per meal. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, that <laughs> really doesn't seem like too much to ask for to me. No. So Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so, th- so in any case, neoliberalism, right, hits 1980 and it runs for 40 years, right? And, oh. and one of the things that you see is you see the the indu- the industrial belt in the in, up in the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. All these states that got flipped in <clears throat> excuse me in 2016, right? Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, right? All you know, 
Illinois, you know, et cetera. I mean, th- this is all the, was the, the industrial belt, new parts of New Jersey, et cetera. Well, if you drive through that area now, it literally, you know, they call it the rust belt. Now it literally looks like the rust belt, right? Because they're, they're small towns one after the other. And they've got, you know, they got the water tower and they usually got a factory and the factory's empty, right? And things look like they're, they're rusting out, right? Why? Because there's no economic activity. Why? Because where those jobs go? Well, <laughs> capital's chasing capital. So capital is now, you know, in Indonesia or it's in South America. Yeah, know, auto- automotive is. was hit huge. There I mean, go. I um, can't, t- I can't even believe how many vehicles are made in Canada and Mexico. Absolutely. And then, I mean, all the foreign vehicles are not being made here i mean some of them are starting to be built along the south like in mississippi and uh, alabama there's a lot of factories down there for automotive but i mean that all of those buildings like in detroit and like all those major business areas like detroit used to be an economic powerhouse of a city in the united states and now it's like in some really unfortunate circumstances you're 100 percent correct that's exactly what did happen right you know De- detroit went south you know literally detroit went south right went to, to mexico right? Mm-hmm. i mean that's literally what happened is, is those companies closed up coal mining closed up um y- 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 or the coal mines closed down um <clears throat> literally you know you know steel mills closed down you know this is you know this is when you know after FDR got the United States out after we got out of the Great Depression after World War II, uh, or beginning with World War II. World War II is what got us out of the, the Great Depression. Um, it, we had like we had this period of growth basically from forty five to basically seventy seven. This is when neoliberalism hits, where all of a sudden you've got true blue collar guys, right? They're factory workers that are building cars their wife staying home and they're able to you know buy a house right just by being a factory worker right that that's that's not there right you know that's not that you can you can be a laborer there's no you know you can be a you can be a, a you know a highly skilled plumber you can be a highly skilled construction worker and you can still buy houses right but that type of work mm-hmm. that then translates into you know a middle class lifestyle right. it is not there right so so in any case so to answer this question right what happens well you know what happens is all these individuals up in in the the midwest are frustrated you know they've had 40 years of of steel mills closing down right or coal mines closing i mean for god's sake the the bay bridge was built with steel made in china Right, I mean, the 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 statue of Mar of Martin Luther King, our greatest citizen, right, was built with marble that came from China. I've got no problem with China, right? I think China is pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. But those are probably jobs that should have been done by the United States, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just yeah. makes sense. We makes could have figured that out, sure, right? I mean, <laughs> right, just, like, right. <laughs> there's no reason that for that to need to happen. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it just makes good economic sense, right? You know, I mean, if you want to keep people gainfully employed, you know, there's a certain amount of keeping jobs in your country. I mean, this, mm-hmm. you know, that's not a a right wing economic theory. You know, it's just a, it just makes sense, you know. So in any case, all these people were on the wrong end of neoliberalism for 40 years, right? I mean, literally on the wrong end. They, you know, they lost their jobs. Their dads lost their jobs. And uh, 
they were also people that were not well educated, right? In general, they were they were ignorant people. I mean, clearly they were ignorant people, and I think it's more accurate to say uh, they were. Well, they were both, right? They were both uneducated and ignorant, which is comes from a lack of education. But they're poor, you know. You know, or they were lower middle class. You know, they were they were they were um, working poor, so there weren't a lot of opportunities to go to school, anyways, right? Or see other places, like or all see your other places. The same thing. Absolutely, right? Because traveling, of course, opens the opens your mind, right? There's yeah. no question about it. Yeah, no opportunity in there for somebody to like break the cycle of the same. Your grandfather worked in the factory. Your father worked in the factory. You worked in the factory, and then you, if you keep on with that tradition, you know, to a certain degree, you're shutting your life off from all the other information and possibilities that are out there in the world that expand our mind and. All that, so. Uh, mm. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Right? Absolutely, right? And as long as you can keep following your, your dad, your grandfather into a, a profession, a trade that's making you money to some degree, who cares what's going on in the world, mm. right? But all of a sudden, when those trades aren't there and you don't have any education, what do you do? You start looking around for someone to blame, right? And, you know, you have literally declining wages from 77 until, you know, 2016. It's still going on. And you have, at the same time, you have the price of commodities, the price of, of services uh, um, increasing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the distribution of wealth in 1980 wasn't great, but it was better, right? You look at the distribution of wealth in, in 1980, the wealthiest 1% are controlling 33% of the wealth in the United States. The next 10% are controlling 33%. The, the bottom 90% are controlling 33%. So it ain't great, right? I mean, the 1% are, you know, the, the rich are still, you know, far out. You know, they're, 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 they're still taking more than anyone else. But you're at a point now, you know, you know, go to fast, you know, fast forward to, you know, 40 years. So this is still answering the second part of this question, mm -hmm. right? you know fast forward 40 years now you have the wealthiest one percent controlling more wealth than the bottom 99 percent of us combined right in fact you have three men that have more wealth than the bottom half of the country combined that's 160 million people the six people that control walmart have more wealth than the bottom 79 percent of african-american families combined right i mean wealth inequality is greater and this should give Everyone pause, right? Wealth inequality is greater than at any time in the history of the United States since 1928. You know, what happened in 1929? We all know what happened in 1929, right? The stock market crashed. What got us out of the depression? War, right? World War II. That's not a scenario that you want, right? I mean, at not all. right now. At, absolutely, <laughs> right? Absolutely, right? It's not mm -hmm. something you want. So, so to answer the question, you know, it was the dual causes, I would say, of us not being able to outrun, you know, this deal with the devil that was made. And then 40 years of, of neoliberalism uh, doing what it does, right? Uh, <laughs> doing what capitalism does, which is to amass all the, like a game of Monopoly, to amass all the world's wealth into the hands of just one person, right? Now, that's not going to happen you know, because the system would literally collapse, you know, before it did, whether it's the United States or, or the uh, the global economy. Um, but that is what it was doing nonetheless. So you have people who are ignorant, uneducated, 
out of work. I mean, they were prime, right? They were prime for uh, someone like this individual in the, in the White yeah. House, right? I mean, literally, right? I mean, they were, it was like he, they were looking for someone to blame. He gave them Mexicans, Mexicans and Muslims, right? Yeah. And everybody else that was different, right, or weird or, you know, didn't fit in with what they thought was a true, Amer- you know. And, uh, you know, the, the joke, unfortunately, it's a joke that's happening to us that, you know, I understand Adolf Hitler's appeal uh, without question. You know, once again, um, lights out talent. You know, you just don't see that kind of talent. You know, Fidel Castro had that kind of talent. The difference was he had real ethics. You know, Adolf Hitler, I don't think he had any ethics, uh, even though so many people saw him as a a good man, actually, you know, literally. Um but the joke is, is that the individual in the White House has no talent, right? I mean, he's, if, I mean, nothing, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. paper mache, you know? I mean, at least with Hitler, I mean, if Hitler walked in and, and spoke, my guess is, you know, all of us would think he was, you know, one of the best speakers we ever saw, you know, Fidel Castro too, right? But this guy is just like, you know, his mind is a mess, right? It's one of the reasons why the... The, the response to so many things is one of the reasons why um, uh, it's one of the reasons why the response to so many things in the country is a mess right now right because his mind is, is literally a mess mm-hmm. so in any case that would be the answer right that, yeah. I, that I would say right is is and, and you know concerning as well you know we kind of started with fascism is you know in, in not, you go back to Nazi Germany you know like you know in the early 30s um Adolf Hitler seen as a crackpot, right? You know, late twenties, early thirties, he's seen as a crackpot. He, you know, they they run the first time I think in thirty two or something, thirty one, thirty two. I think it's thirty two, and he gets like one percent of the vote, right? Or, or excuse me, in twenty, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's twenty eight. I can't remember the exact year, but it's before the depression, right? He runs. He gets like one percent. Donald Trump's run for president before, right? Everyone thought it was a joke, right? He's, Got like one two percent, one two percent of the vote. Great Depression hits, people are struggling economic economically. What happens, right? Well, what happens in uh, when Adolf Hitler runs the second time? I think he runs in thirty two because he takes office in thirty three. Um, what happens the the second time is that you see the Communist Party rise up, and you see this new party. That, the Nazis rise up, right? This, so, in other words, the far left and the far right all of a sudden become attractive to people, right? And it's not just, you know, the, the Democrats, you know, or what we would call, you know, it's not the, the center anymore. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the fine point of this is that economic stress can cause, politi- mm-hmm. it looks like, right, mm-hmm. political pulling apart or fraying of the country. Yeah. What did we see in 2016? Right, you mm-hmm. know exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. Right. We, you know, we see forty years of of neoliberalism. We, you know, we had the, the Great Recession in in two thousand eight, worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. And what do you what do you see? You see, you know, you see Bernie Sanders on the left, right, unbelievably calling himself the dirty S word in uh, American politics. Right, he's calling himself a socialist. 
something that you you know you usually don't get away with, but your guys' generation doesn't even care about this for the most part, right? It's like you're gonna pay for my education, great. It's, it's we don't me. care what you are, right? Yeah, get in there, right? Get in there, right? Exactly. Free healthcare, I'm with you, yeah. right? And it doesn't really matter. But you you know you have Bernie Sanders, and then you know on the far right, you know you have again you know this this stunningly ignorant person on the far right but he's saying the right things right to the right people right mm-hmm. people in the south uneducated people and, and racist a long history of it right it's not like it just came out of nowhere right you know it came from slavery right yeah you know <laughs> it came from some you know and then people in the in the midwest you know and and the deepest irony i would say of 2016 the 2016 election is that you have a billionaire demagogue, not a populist, right? A di- billionaire demagogue. De- populists only exist on the left. They don't exist on the right. That's the media has has just got that one wrong, right? You know, it's a populist is a man of the people, right? Instead, what we're seeing is a rise of right wing nationalism, both in Europe and and in the United States. But you know, you have you have a a billionaire, supposedly a billionaire demagogue saying that he is going to lead the revolution against neoliberalism for the working class, a system that mm. that he's benefited from his whole life, right? And this is the problem with a little bit of knowledge, right? They bought it, right? In other words, they voted directly against their their class interests, their I mean, they're they're working people, you know. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the the groups, a, a portion of right. You know, the other portion was with Bernie Sanders until the Democratic Party kind of hustled that 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 primary what what was looking like a primary win away from him. Um, and it, you know the the um, so you know half of them were basically lined up with Bernie Sanders, or at least a portion of the working class was lined up with Bernie Sanders. But the other portion was lined up with him, right? And, excuse me, I would I would su- submit um, that the current administration, the Republican Party, uh, not only has not done anything for working people, but if they've actually made their life worse. And they'll continue to, to make their lives wor- life worse. There's just, there's no question about it. Yeah. You you bring up a a couple times this like the some of the qualities that have made some of these former presidents or former leaders good whether they were good or bad leaders. Yeah. Um and one of them is like kind of the ability for somebody to like capture the room and be like a really skilled orator. Yeah. Um where has from both sides where do you think we've maybe gone wrong in trying to pit like if we see those traits as really strong leaders in the past like where are we maybe going wrong in like picking the wrong people yeah and is there anybody out there who i mean who do you think is out there that's within the political scene that could be a really strong force for um just general good in the united states it's a great question right you know, it's really good question. You know, where did we go wrong? Right. You know, where <laughs> yeah, did we go you wrong? You pick many places, I'm sure, <laughs> where we went my wrong. Ex-girlfriend, right? Yeah, where did we go wrong, right? So where <laughs> right? Where did we go wrong, right? Um you, you know the what I would you know, the harshest criticism, and I'll just level it, right, is that uh our political educations have failed us, right? Period. 
Right. Yeah. I'm late to the game. Hey, first admitted. It's, it's you know? okay. But that's what I was thinking about too this entire time though, is that yeah. like I was not engaged in politics or history as I was in education and like now I'm starting to see the consequences of that because I don't know and so it's easy for me to form an opinion. Yeah. And then yeah, see somebody that I somewhat align with based on like where I'm at and I'm yeah. like, Yeah, hell yeah. Let's get this guy in there, let's get this woman in there and See what they can do. Absolutely. And it's pretty uninformed. You know, my mom is the best person I know. I, I love her. She's, you know, she tells me she loves me every day. I tell her I love her every day. She's my best friend. And in the past, my mom's getting better. But in the past, my mom would say, he, he seems nice. I think I'm going to vote for it. Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the problem, right? I, and you know, I think that's, the problem, but right? like, that's incredibly common, I yep, think. Yep, because yeah. I'll admittedly, for the first few years of my being of age, I was in the part, the camp where I felt so uneducated yeah. that it felt almost irresponsible for Absolutely. me to vote. So I for the first few years did not vote. Yeah. Um, and like, especially as I'm getting older, I'm like, okay, like that whole idea of like your vote really matters yeah. is important. And I feel like an educated vote matters more. Yeah. So I'm, you know, yeah. So I, I, I don't yeah. think, I don't think you're, I think that's an unfortunately yeah. common yeah. way of voting yeah. is like, oh, that seems like a pretty good dude. Seems like a nice person. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm curious about, yeah. curious about that too. So you're yeah. saying like it's part of the education system that's kind of yeah. failing us and like, yeah, what else is it that people well, so, aren't in, informed and involved? Yeah. It's, you know, again, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I, I do think the harshest criticism is our political educations have failed us. And what I mean by that is that if you guys think back to when you're in high school, I mean, I can certainly remember when I was, you know, most people get their, I mean, the majority of the country, Right, literally, you know, seventy percent. Right now, you have thirty percent of the country that has college degrees, right? College diplomas, and of that, you know, for the the people that actually get college diplomas, um, you know, you only need to take at least when I was in college, you had to take a political science class and a history class, right? A Mm -hmm. American politics and a today, and it it might have been with you guys, it may not have been. But now you only have to take either political science or history, right? You don't even yeah. have to take both. I think anymore. I took three. Hi- I mean, not history, obviously, yeah. but even in high school, like aside from the standard California curriculum on Excuse you know me, yeah. world history and yeah. U.S. history, yeah, I took one civics class, yeah, in high school, and I took one poli sci class in college, and that was it. There you go, right? And right. I can, I'm sure most people can agree that one half a semester class on a specific subject matter is not nearly enough to really even carry on a coherent conversation. (laughs) Well, and think about when it's being done, right? It's being done when we're 17 years old, right? I mean, I was drinking beer and trying to get into the NFL at 17 years old. (laughs) I mean, I was not ready, right? I mean, who is right? I mean, my sister was, you know, she was pretty mature. She went to Berkeley, right? My brother went to Berkeley, right? You know, I mean, they were, they were more thoughtful people, but, that you know, that's not the average person. You know, I mean, I was more of a a regular person. You know, and I mean, I just I wasn't ready. I, uh, I, not to mention, I didn't know what they were talking about. You know, right. that was the yeah. other problem, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at, at seventeen years, I was like, no worldly context what? at Absolutely. that young of an age. Absolutely, mm-hmm. to know really Absolutely. what this means. Uh, well, and so you think, right? You know, um, why do we pick the wrong people? You know, or you know, why do so many things happen? Well, 
you're getting your political education at 17 years old, right? You know, and then that's 70% of the population. And then right? next year you're like, all yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> pick someone. Yeah, right. And then you yeah, right. pick whatever right. news network and you're going to you listen go. to from here on out. Yeah. And like you're, you know, maybe <laughs> right. whatever credit hours you got plus right. MSNBC or Fox. Right is your political education and maybe something you read in the times. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not nearly enough. It's not nearly enough. Absolutely. It's not nearly enough. And you know, and I'm not sure exactly the direction of your guys' political science classes. I know what Nicholas's direction <laughs> yeah. was, right? But you've got to have a professor that's going to even talk about things that mm -hmm. I would say actually matter, right? Because mm -hmm. some political science professors, you know, that's the mainstream actually is just to be all, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you get into the wrong political science class, you know, you're in the wrong political science class. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to have a class where you're like, oh, you know, there's, you know, there's hundred senators, they serve six years. You know, I mean, it's just not <laughs> right. that exciting. Right? right. You know, I mean, it's just, so you, you know, you, that's part of it is just getting even, you know, but you know, again, we're talking about one class even. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and you're, you're gonna depending on the class, you might be exposed to a, a whole bunch of stuff. You know, if it's like an introductory level class, you might be exposed to a whole bunch of stuff because you can talk about everything. But if it's an American politics, you're really just talking about American politics. Mm -hmm. And you know, especially when you know you guys get to some of the nicer universities, you know, UC Berkeley, it's going to be you know, in spite of the country's perception of UC Berkeley, right? That it's this. I was really liberal, right? And all, right, you know, actually, the 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 department there at UC Berkeley is not liberal, right? I'm not saying they're a bunch of Republicans, right? But it, you know, they would, you know, they would accept very basic things in society, like they would, or they they'd accept very basic. Um, they would they would accept the the basic arrangement the, the philosophical the political and the economic arrangement that exists in the United States. In other words, they would accept liberal capitalist democracies, what are called LCDs, as what is proper or correct. And then mm -hmm. all their conversation would be a debate, a discussion within mm -hmm. that context, within what's called an orthodoxy, right? So to get into some type of you know, heterodoxy, right? To get outside of that, you got to get some kind of professor, right? That is not buying into that, right? Or, or saying, okay, great. You know, you know, the liberal capitalist democracies is one way to go, but there's also the, you know, this other stuff to be thinking about and this other stuff to, to talk mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah. For example, socialism, right? You know, I mean, that's a, that is a whole other political and economic system that you know you 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 bring up the word socialism you know with your generation it's changing right but and i'm finally out of the generation i'm teaching but you know my generation the generation above above me right the cold war is just you know it's a gift that just keeps on giving right you you say something about socialism and my guess is nine out of 10 people, it's not even an intellectual response. It's an emotional response, right? Oh, yeah. When you say it, I could feel it for yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at Joe Biden, right? I mean, the guy that may be our president, right? I mean, he actually got away with saying stuff like, I ain't no commie, right? It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Right? I mean, but that's a selling point to people, right? I'm a, I'm a commie, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, the other point here is right so you got 
know, you got nine out of 10 people that are probably going to have a negative reaction, right? Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, well, what, what is socialism, man? You know, I don't even know what it is, right? What is yeah. it? They don't know either, right? They can't tell you what it is, right? It's bad. It's bad, right? It's, it's bad. It. It's yeah. bad, right? It's bad. But And then, you know, you hear some of these, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I told you guys or not, but, you know, I ran for Congress twice and I ran for city city council once. Um, and I remember it, the first time I ran for Congress, I actually ran against a gentleman by the name of John Garamende, who's in, who's in Congress right now. Smart guy. He was lieutenant governor when um, – Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor and um, a good man. I thought, you know, he, he's a Democrat, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but he, he's a, he's a good man. I thought, and um, <laughs> there was a candidate up there. He was one of the Republicans and he started, you know, socialism was just starting to be talked about, you know, in, in our society because Obama was, you know, was president. Right. And people were, you know, I mean, just, just to see the political confusion, you know, people were saying, you know, I, I remember seeing these pictures. I think we might have talked about it in class, you know, you know, they put Obama's picture up, right? It, it almost be like a meme, but it wasn't a picture of, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> online. And they'd have this little Hitler mustache of them, right? Which is fascism on the far right. And then they'd call him a socialist, which is on the far left, right? And I'd be like, oh. What? Yeah, you know, what are you right. even talking somebody about? Somebody right? Fact check those people. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like yeah. that is so ass backwards. It's not, you yeah. know, it doesn't even make sense, right? So, any case, this joker that's running for Congress, right, is trying to give this explanation of what socialism is. And I'm just like, I can't believe this dude is running for Congress, right? Giving this explanation. He don't know, right? I mean, he has yeah. no idea. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was up there feeling pretty confident too. You know, he didn't he didn't get the Republican nomination, but it was just the point with this is, right, is there's two points here. Number one, people that serve in government are just people. That's all they are, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's all they are, right? Uh, it, and um, it, it, number two, uh, many people who are critical of, of socialism, communism, right, the whole idea of public ownership, um, they really have no idea even what it is, right? You know, and and when we think when we think about socialism, you know, socialism it, it exists already in the United States, right? I mean, that's what K through twelve education is, right? That is, mm -hmm. that's one of our best examples of a socialist education. It's K think, through twelve education. And correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. like fire and police, there those you are go. socialist services. There you go. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Right? So we've we've done them. You're absolutely yeah. right, Brendan. So. You know, the biggest socialist institution in the entire world, in fact, uh, the most powerful one in, in history is a socialist institution, and that's the United States military, right? I mean, we publicly fund that thing, right? So, you know, you always hear this argument. It's just not true. You know, they say, well, socialism, uh, you know, is inefficient. It's like, well, you know, anything's inefficient if you underfund it, right? I mean, of course it is, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. You know, there's a number of countries out there that will tell you that the United States military is not inefficient, right? I mean, it's anything but yeah. efficient, right? It's lights out efficient, literally, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. if if you get an aircraft carrier showing up on the shores of, of your country, watch out, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's multiple examples here, right? I mean, there's... Yeah, and I think one of the big issues, I mean, even just like with the social example that you're yeah. bringing up, yeah. is that people are so quick 
to do two things really. One is to assume that because somebody wants to implement one program that may be social, yeah. socialist leaning, right. Right. that that the whole pro system has to go socialist and it's going to fail. And like, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. And I think we do it like both sides do it with everything. But I think to like go back to like this kind of this middle stance um, is that we we can do things that are would be traditionally maybe a, a Republican program or initiative. And like that may be the right thing to do for the yeah. good of the people. And we can do something maybe socialist like our K through eight or K through 12 education, yeah. like you're saying, and that can function. I mean, granted, may, there may be some changes right now with sure. the education system that need to be made, but sure. I mean, I, don't, I just think people are too quick to just blanket statement things and say Definitely. that it's not going to work. We Definitely. can't do it because of this thing. But it's like there's so much nuance going on here Definitely. that we can't just jump to these conclusions. And the second thing is yeah. to, to add to the people yeah. that you're saying what well, kind of do this is like so many people will just parrot whatever they hear right. and like they don't know. No, and definitely. and like the congressman you're saying or the republic candidate for Congress right. you were saying. I mean, he it's. It's yeah, important to know your facts if you're going to try and speak about any of this stuff because, like I said, it's so nuanced. No question about it, right? I mean, there's there's no question about it. I mean, it's it's a good idea to know your facts. Period, right? When you, right, you, right, right. Not that <laughs> yeah. not that our not that our you know our our country is suffering from a fool of these guys, a, a few of these guys, right? That don't know their facts. You know, yeah. There's no question about you know as, as far as you know facts go, and you know this question about. Who else is out there? You know mm -hmm. that you know is someone to yeah. to think about. You know, th you know, there, it's more than what we've talked about in terms of why we get it wrong. You know, to some degree, and let me let's just maybe say something about that. You know, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we do get it wrong is because uh, it's difficult to get it right. Right? It, it's yeah, difficult. Sure. It's difficult to get it right yeah. because of who dominates the state in the United States. Right? And who dominates the state in the United States is the rich. And that this is, you know, if George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, which I don't even know if he did, right? But this is like political mythology that we learn when we're little kids, and you know that, you know that this is a democracy, which is definitely political mythology at this point. I mean, even mainstream political science says that the United States is now an oligarchy, right? I mean, mainstream political science, right? So the professors at UC Berkeley would even say stuff like this, right? Uh, you know, the word we tend to use that I tend to use is, is plutocracy, you know, a society that is, this comes from, from Plato, actually, ancient Greece, um, a society that's ruled by the rich where, where wealth is valued over goodness, right? And this is definitely something that we're seeing in our, our society right now. In fact, you know, according to Plato, I think he's, he's worth thinking about just for a moment is that, uh, you know, he even said that a high level of criminality, you, you would find a high level of criminality in, in a plutocracy. And it's not just amongst the poor, right? You know, so, if, yeah, you're going to have, you know, crime amongst the poor because they don't have enough to eat, right? I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, that's one of the most basic reasons why crime is committed amongst the poor. They don't, they don't have enough money to pay the rent or whatever it is, right? So they turn to extra legal means, right? They mm -hmm. have a hard time getting a decent education, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, the the sis, the you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, systemic inequality in the United States right now or systemic racism, but there's. Yeah, and I think these, I think the people they're talking about are otherwise well-meaning people, but they don't, talk, they don't explain always. And I'm not convinced they always know where the systemic yeah. inequality or racism is coming from. Right? Mm -hmm. The systemic racism is coming from 
from our inability to resolve uh, the dark legacy of slavery. Right. That's that's where the mm-hmm. the 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 uh, racial inequality is coming from. But it's also coming from the fact that we have we activated race vis-a-vis and really as a part of our economic system, right? I mean, literally, you know, white people owned, black people worked, right? So, but aside from that, the economic system is built to generate inequality. I mean, that it's what it does, you know, literally, right? I mean, it generates profits for those that own, uh, and those where those profits come from, those profits come from people that, you know, people that work for those that own what are called the, you know, the productive forces of the economy. That's that's farms and, and factories. So um, in, in any case, so, um, you know, because so, you know, the reason why I, I say it's hard or the reason why we say it's difficult to get it right is because. The rich do control the state, right? And how, you know, and, and we don't mean like someone in Danville, right? You know, you start talking about the rich and all of a sudden people in Danville start getting offended, right? It's like, we ain't talking about you, man, right? It's not you, right? It's, I mean, it's people, right? It's like the CEO of Exxon Mobile, right? Yeah. You know, that's who we're talking about, right? You know, we're talking about, you, you know, Phil Knight, you know, of, of, of Indonesia, right? He's got, you know, or Phil Knight of Nike, you know, he's worth $30 billion, right? And it's like, how is he worth $30 billion? Actually, the the uh, the the CEO emeritus of kind of like a professor emeritus, right, of, of uh, at a university. Um, how is he worth $30 billion? Well, the only way he could be worth $30 billion and, and, and not be taking from someone is if he produced 30 million pair of shoes by himself and then sold them for a hundred bucks a piece. Right. Well, he yeah. didn't do that. Right. I mean, he, he didn't do it. Right. So he, you know, instead he builds himself as an American company, but the reality is his labor force is in Indonesia, right? You got 10,000 people in Indonesia working for Nike factories. The, the minute, what? The minimum wage, right? Why is that the case? The minimum wage there is $2.50 a day. Phil Knight's a bit of a humanitarian. He pays him $4.33 a day, right? If you just round that up to $5 just to make the the numbers work a little bit easier, uh, the average Nike employee produces four pairs of Nike tennis shoes that on average are selling for $100 a piece back in, in the States, right? So that's $400 worth of commodity that he is, that the average Nike employee is producing and he's only being paid $5 a day, right? So in other words, um, Phil Knight is taking from his, from one worker, $395 in what's called surplus value uh, or, or what we call profits, right? Now, why do we bring this up at all? Uh, You know, one of the things that even in mainstream economics at the university level that people have a hard time figuring out is where does wealth and poverty come from, right? Well, we're spelling it out. You know, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. in fact, it's as it's as plain to see. It's as clear to see as the sun in the sky, if you're willing to look right. It's, you know, to not see it's like being awake, but not seeing the sun in the sky. Where it comes from is the owning class, the international owning class pays it's workers, whether it's Indonesian laborers making Nike tennis shoes, right, or whether it's or whether it's coal miners in West Virginia, right, that aren't really there anymore for the most part. I mean, they're they're there to some degree, but I mean, you pick it. It's the wor- it's the world over, right? They pay 
they pay their workers less. They pay the working class less than the value of the the good or service that they produce, right? And then they and then they take that those profits for themselves, right? <clears throat> it's simple arithmetic, right? In other words, where does wealth and poverty come from? Um, well, these things can't be pulled apart. You know, you know, even though you always get all these different explanations about where wealth and poverty is coming from, right? Well, well, the truth is, wealth is the cause of poverty, and poverty is the is the cause of wealth, right? Those two things can't be uh, pulled pulled apart, and it's really simple. You keep the price of commodities high, Nike tennis shoes, a house, healthcare, education. You know, you pick it, right? And you keep the 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 price of wages low. You got poverty. Conversely, though, what do you have? You have wealth for the owning class. So, getting back, though, right to you know, you know, why why is it hard to get it right? It's hard to get it right because this international owning class, right? <clears throat> People always say, "Oh, it's the Illuminati." Where's the you know? It's like, there ain't no Illuminati, right? The Illuminati does not exist, right? But what does exist is an international owning class. It has light. I mean. Their wealth is ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? And you know they know each other, right? They, you know, they, they, you know, there's no conspiracy. They're, you know, they they serve on the same boards together, right? Or they, you know, or they, you know, someone like Warren Buffett owns forty other corporations. I mean, through his holding company, Berkshire Hathaway, which I'm sure we're familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has assets that are. Uh, equal to one seventh of our total tax revenues, right? I mean, it's like, it's like someone like, it's either four hundred fifty billion. I think it's four hundred fifty billion dollars, right? I think it's four hundred fifty billion dollars. <clears throat> what do you do with that? <laughs> it, right. Well, that's a great question, and that's exactly what we're getting to, right? One of the things that you do with that is you take a very small portion of it and you give it to the state. Now, what do we mean by that? You give it as <clears throat> campaign contributions, right? Or, or lobbying mm-hmm. dollars, a very small fraction, right? Mm-hmm. A very small fraction. It, it might be hundreds of millions of dollars spread across an industry, but it's really a very small fraction. And then what do you get from that? Well, you get the state to work on your behalf. How does the state work on your behalf? They produce policy outcomes that are beneficial for you, right? right? That's, how, that's how it works. And across right? however many companies he owns, I mean, that's... There's a lot of opportunities for him to get some favors for a lot of uh, campaign dollars. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, it it can benefit other corporations he owns. Right. As you're mentioning, Brendan, it can benefit. It can just by, you know, because he's given money, it's benefiting, you know, one industry that he's involved in, for example, railroads. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're going to do some type of deregulation within railroads, it's going to also benefit someone else that owns it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's a class that is is benefiting, you know, what we're calling the international owning class, you know, you can call it the cosmopolitan, you know, you know, you can call it the, you know, if you want to get fancy, you call it the cosmopolitan bourgeoisie, right? Which is the, it's a French word for owning class, you know, so... So in any case, this economic power that these individuals have turns turns in, uh, often turns in. All I'd say almost always turns in to to uh, to to unmatched political power, and they get policy outcomes that they want. They get to lead lives of luxury, 
right? Uh, they get extra capital that they can then go reinvest into um, other countries or, you know, back in the United States to, to build more wealth. Um, and then they, you know, in addition to that, they can, um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in addition to that, they can, um, <laughs> there's one more thing they can do that I've, that's slipping my mind, but either way they can, you know, they can, uh, they can take their, um, their, their money and, uh, make the system work for them, right? Make the, yeah. make the state work for them. And you can, you know, you, we even have a basic formula for this, right? And it's the degree of economic power that someone or some class has equals the degree of political, uh, power that they have for infinity, right? In other mm -hmm. words, this is an on and on thing, right? You know, yeah. you give money to the state, uh, you, you know, you get policy outcomes that you want, you, you know, you get, you get, um, and I, I know what I was going to say the last thing is was you can put it back into the state, but uh, you, you get policy outcomes you want, you get, you know, you get a life of luxury, right? You, you, you know, you get, you know, you get what you want by donating money, right? Through, mm. again, through campaign contributions and, and lobbying dollars. And then just on and on it goes, right? So in other words, the class power of the rich is almost locked in, literally, right? And and the class power or lack thereof of the poor is also lacked, is also locked in. There's another way of thinking about it, right? Is that, you know, why don't the poor have really nice Section 8 housing, you know? Or why don't the poor... Uh, have you know better programs to, to care for them? You know, like but you know, their food stamps are more extensive, right? Or you know, drug rehab centers are you know more prevalent, or you know, to the degree that people on the street are you know are dealing with with drug and alcohol problems. Well, the reason is because they have no economic power, right? If you have no economic power, then you have no no political power. So it's hard to get it right because. The, the context in which we're, we're living um, is being set, right? Is literally being set by, mm -hmm. by the rich. And it's, How did, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and it's um, like people don't dive into stuff that, this much. And so it's easy to say that this thing's not explainable, right? It's easy right. to say that there's like, right. like, why is there wealth and why is there poverty? Well, right. there just is. Right. But it's like you've broken down step by step how things are coming to be. And if people don't know that, they're going to just pick a side and then not understand, like, why they're picking this side. Right. No, no, no doubt about it, uh, Nicholas. It's, you know, it's true. You know, one of the things that you hear people say is that, you know, um, there's always going to be poor people. Right. There's always going to be poor people. Well, yeah, it's, you know, the reality is there's always going to be poor people as long as you have a system that exist that is based on extracting capital from people's labor, right? You're, you're right, right? I mean, Nelson Mandela himself said it, right? That, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing natural about poverty. Poverty is man-made. And if it's man-made, then it can be undone by, by men, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's no question about it, right? I mean, you, you have to, you know, read about it and think about it and talk about it. Um, and and when you do, uh, what you what you see is, uh, it, of of course, all of it's 
made by men, right? I mean, not, you know, I'd say women as well, but overwhelmingly it's been, you know, systems, political, a political system, economic system has been, been generated by, by, uh, men, you know, nothing mm -hmm. is, nothing is sacred, you know, nothing's been passed down to us by Moses, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's been developed by, um, been developed by men so there's no and question about it it's interesting too to think that like in the context of what you're explaining really when we go to vote we're voting on the a plan of each side right we're voting on where the most dollars from the upper class went and we're just kind of choosing the outcome of where they put their dollars on one side and where they put their dollars on the other side and it seems kind of interesting to think about because if we were to let's say take an approach where we wanted to like not allow private funding of campaigns. Yeah. Well, like nobody's going to put that on a ballot because right. everybody who's invested in it right. is the ones benefiting from it. Absolutely. So like from our position, there is no scenario, but it seems like that would be in order to, I mean, I think this goes back to the plutocracy. Is that the yeah, right yeah, word? Plutocracy, I mean, that yeah, right. kind of is evidence of for, to the case of why we're kind of living in this, one percent and government ruling together over everything and we kind of just get our say but it's only after they get to make their say first <laughs> absolutely right i mean that you know you know the the you know we're calling it the rich um because there's really not a better name for it you know I and mean, we don't we don't have a name for it it, it, with the way we talk about politics in, in the United States, it, you know, we've used this word international owning class, which would, which would make sense. But, you know, you're really talking about a, you know, a small, mm -hmm. small group of people, you know, um, you know, the world over, you know, you might have 10,000 people, you know, vis-a-vis -vis or, you know, you, you have 7.8 billion people in the world. You have basically about 10,000 people that control the global economy, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we mean by, you know, there's no such thing as this Illuminati, but there is such a thing as an international owning class. They know each other, you know, they're, they're making decisions uh, over the state. And, you know, there's just no question about it, Brendan, that, you know, as you just mentioned, is that, you know, they're making decisions, right, for anywhere, anywhere from, you know, what your wage is going to be, right, um, what is a reasonable amount of time for someone to work, how much of the price of a commodity or service is going to be? Meaning, meaning the owning class, international owning class, the, the wealthy are, uh, are are working with the state, influencing the state, quote unquote, influencing the state to serve their class interests, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you 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 brought this this up, this notion of 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 uh, private financing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you know this is one of the the ways that in, in terms of it's hard to get it right, right? Because we do have this private financing of public campaigns in the United States. We just call this campaign contributions or, or lobbying dollars, but in other countries, of course, they call it bribery, right? Because that's <laughs> that's basically what it what it is. Yeah. And it you know when you really look at the compare when you look at right. Um, for example, someone that's in what we would just call very generically the working class, but also accurately termed to call them the, to say that they're in the working class. 
you know, most people that are working people, you know, you know, someone that's a construction worker, someone that's a teacher, someone that's a bus driver, someone that's a, you know, a waiter, something like that. They probably didn't give any money, you know, last year to a congressman or president, right? I mean, yeah. some might, you know, some, some, some Trump supporters might have, right? You know, they might have, because it you know makes them feel good, right? To you know to to actually be in there and participating a little bit. Um, so th you know you you'll have a little bit of that, but the ten largest banks in the United States, right? Citigroup, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, etc. You know these banks have combined assets greater than the gross domestic product of China, right? China has the second largest GDP in the entire world after the United States. The United States has a GDP of $20 trillion. China, I believe, is like at $12 trillion or $14 trillion right now, right? So, again, you know, you get back to this, you know, how do they influence the state? Well, they're influence the, influencing the state. They're shaping state policy. They're, they're making state policy... A, a mirror of their own class interest, right, or mm -hmm. or or a shadow of their own uh, class interest uh, through a series of barely logical Supreme Court decisions that ultimately gave us what is called corporate personhood, right? And this is the whole notion that corporations are a person in the eyes of the law. You know, why does that matter? That might not sound like a big. It might sound kind of odd, but you know, why does it matter? Well reason why it matters is because then they're treated as citizens as well right mean, meaning literally they have the same rights as you or me do as you or i do so what does that mean well one of the rights they have is the first amendment right to free speech you know how does a, a corporation have a first amendment right to free speech well one of the ways politically that the supreme court recognizes is that you me anyone has the right to donate money to political candidates uh as a part of our free speech rights right well you impose that on a corporation and i mean you allow a corporation to enjoy that right and you have 10 banks that have that have uh literally have more combined wealth than the gross domestic product of china and they only need a very small fraction right even if it's a you know even if it's a hundred million dollars that's coming from those banks to go to the state and what do you got Right, you got deregulation of the banking industry, you got the housing crisis, you got derivatives, and you know, all of a sudden here comes the recession. Right, so, so it's hard to get it right. Right, when when the when one class is controlling the state over other classes, and it's one of the most basic problems that the United States is facing today. Not just the public or the the private financing of public elections, but that working people. Uh, don't get it, right? They don't get their the not, education. It's the lack mm. of the political education. Absolutely, yeah. it's 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 thinking, it's it's believing that somehow people uh, that are wealthy have something to do with them, right? And the reality mm. is, it just doesn't, right? I mean, I mean, this is as old as the Bible, right? Yeah, you can't serve two masters, right? You the state either serves owning class or they serve the work you, you can't do both right i mean you can you can kind of distribute wealth kind of like what was going on in you know the early 80s still not equal right but you you know you either serve one class or you serve the other um and it's clear which class is being being served right now and and again i know i've said it once before but the the irony 
of the 2016 election, the irony of what's going on today right now is how many working class people are being hustled by a, by a party. In fact, it's not just the Republican Party. It's both parties right? mm-hmm. that, that don't have their concerns at heart. Now, now, what do we mean by that, right? The Republican Party, forget it. They don't care, period, right? I mean, they, you know, that, that is not a party that cares about working people. There's just no two, there's no two ways about it. But what are the class interests of, of working people, right? You know, are, are there, is there a difference between the parties in terms of abortion? Yeah, of course there is, right? I mean, we know that. Is there a difference between, on, uh, difference between the parties in terms of, in terms of the death penalty? Yeah, of, of, you know, of course there is, right? Is there a difference, uh, you know, on things like guns? It's like, you know, no one's trying to get rid of the Second Amendment, but yeah, there, you know, there's a difference, mm-hmm. right? Republicans are just like, screw it, you know, let people own guns, right? We are, you know, there's more people that that own weapons in the United States than there are actually people, or there's, yeah, more there's more guns in the yeah. United States than there are people in <laughs> yeah, the United right, States. Absolutely, yeah. right? And so a lot of people, you know, I think we've ranked like, I don't know, we're in the top 10 in terms of, you know, death by, by handgun, right? And, it, it, you know, literally you had more five-year-old children that were killed by weapons in the home than police were killed last year, right? Uh, you, you, something like you have a 22 your chances of dying by your own weapon or something like 22 times greater than actually defending your, your home with the, the home, with the, the gun that you own. Right. Mm-hmm. So in any case, the Republicans are just like, whatever, right. You know, let's keep this to your, this is obviously coming from the NRA, right. This is obviously, you know, the NRA, NRA represents a component of the international owning class, right. That is, you know, this is gun manufacturers, but then you kind of, sucker in or pull in people from the working class that have this cultural tie to guns right Mm -hmm. my daddy my old man you know he taught me how to shoot guns right we got to keep our guns right you know watch out government's going to try to steal our gun it's not happening right (laughs) government's facilitating the use of your guns right If, if anything right so any case you know no one's you know the democrats aren't saying let's overturn the second amendment they're just saying you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, allow people to have assault rifles, right? You know, but, you know, okay, so we got some differences. But you look at the major issues and specifically the, ma- you know, so we're getting, you know, we're talking about um, th- this, you know, where does systemic inequality come from, right? Or, or what is systemic inequality? Well, it comes from the system. It's of the system, right? And you can see who has real power when you look at the issues that are either uh, not, um, discussed or constantly rejected by the United States Congress. So what you know? What are working people's concerns? Free healthcare, right? Since ne- since since two thousand, the majority of the country, the majority of the country has wanted state provided for healthcare. Do we have it? No. Uh, it's that uh, is a democracy. Well, if it's a democracy, then the will right where the people are ruling, then the will of the people will be realized by the state. But it's not being realized. Right? Mm-hmm. Why? There's a reason. You know, it's not it's not for no reason, right? Politics are understandable because what's the most powerful lobbying organization in all of Washington D.C.? It's the healthcare industry yeah. right? and pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutical drugs within that industry are the mm-hmm. most powerful yeah. one, right? <clears throat> so, you know, what's it? What's another working person's concern? You know, does you know does guns matter? Does the death penalty matter? It, it matters, right? I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't. You know, we're not mm-hmm. saying it doesn't matter, but you know, sending your kid to school for free matters, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. that impacts yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You know, does does either party support universal health care? No. 
does either party support universal education? No. What else might, you know, one of the things that's going to matter. What's that? Like living conditions too. Living like conditions. Well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, the, one of the biggest living conditions that we're all going to face, you guys are really going to feel it. You know, the latest UN report on global warming that, that comes from their, that comes from their uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change, right? Is that within 50 years, within 50 years, if nothing is done about global warming, in other words, if we continue on the trajectory that we're on right now, that you can expect to see 50% of the land that we now live on and use underwater, anywhere from, you know, a quarter inch, right, to 10 feet of water. (laughs) You know, that's going to change things, right? Yeah. Do we see either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party doing anything meaningful about uh, about global warming? No. Right. If we did, they would be developing alternative energy sources. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you picked energy source, but that would be happening. Solar cars, whatever the hell, whatever, you know, you pick it. They're not. Why, you know, it's, it's again, it's not for no reason at all. There's a very specific reason. It's the power of the oil industry. Right. I mean, they're mm-hmm. giving money to the state to get a policy outcome that they want. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you, you know, you can just keep on going down um, the the list of issues that impact working people, mass transportation, you know, you, you know, the wars, you know, right now, the United States, you know, people are like, oh, where's the, where's the money going to come from for education? Where's the money coming from? Well, the United States right now out of 195 countries has troops deployed to 150 separate countries, has military bases in 130 separate countries, right? You, you know, just to put this in some kind of context, the number two, I think, is France. There's only like 10 countries that even have military bases in, in other countries. And I think France has like 12 or 13, or, you know, you know, bases in 12 or 13, right? <laughs> so you've got 10 countries, right, that you know, are even deploying uh, bases. And, and we got, you know, military bases in, in 130. There's 5,000 military bases just in, in, in the United States alone, right? So it's... Um, You know, when you look, so in other words, you know, the deeper issue, you know, or or what, you know, what I would say we're looking at is, you know, this notion of systemic inequality, right? Um, You know, or, or or when you look at, and when you look at um, um, where the parties agree and where they disagree, well, on, on the, on the ethical questions, there's no doubt that the parties are have some disagreements, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no doubt. But on the deep economic systemic questions, they're not divided. In fact, they're united on them, right? Mm-hmm. They're united, and and that reflects the class power of the rich, right? Because mm-hmm. why? You know, how do we know that's so? Because all those issues are benefiting that class. Irrespective of of the impact that they might be having on on us, which yeah. they clearly are, right? Yeah, and even like you said, I mean, just thinking about the healthcare industry in general and like pharmaceuticals and all that. I mean, there's a reason I'm, you know, and I'm making an assumption here, sure. but there's a reason that the United States' healthcare spending is so astronomically higher than any other country. You're absolutely it's right. It's not because you know, an insulin shot for a diabetic is four times more expensive in the United States. It's because 
we've allowed prices to get so ridiculous and we don't care about getting sick people healthy. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Not as much as we should, at least. No, you're right. In fact, that was the formula actually before, you know, that was the whole pre-existing condition um, situation, you know, mm -hmm. was was who healthcare, who the healthcare industry wanted was guys like you, right? Young, healthy, you know, no health problems. The, you know, the whole pre-existing condition thing that Obama did undo, that was really a step forward. Um, was it if, you know, if you got anywhere from cancer to literally, if you got, you know, migraine headaches, you basically couldn't get healthcare, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that, that was, that was definitely a, um, a, a step forward, uh, for sure. Um, I have a question about like, yeah. um. I didn't mean to like cut you off. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, w I was trying to think of Brent, the other part of Brendan's question because I was, I was, I was thinking <laughs> there was there was one other thing that there, that was to be to be said there. You're saying something about the the healthcare industry about uh, yeah, our, our spend is just ridiculous, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, one of just one other one mm -hmm. other point, yeah. right? You know, you you know, you're saying you know that we spend more than you know other countries. It's like absolutely right, you know. We're the only country in the whole first world that doesn't have universal health care. This is a truth that has finally kind of gotten out, right, mm -hmm. from these past 2016 de presidential debates. And I think also with the rise of people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, et cetera. But, we, you know, we at the same time, we're spending more on health care than any country in the world. Mm -hmm. In fact, we spend $4,000 of public money, which still is coming from us. That's tax dollars on healthcare and four thousand dollars of private money that's coming out of our back pockets now it, you know some people say oh it's just too damn expensive right we can't do it well if you just look at that for you know just a second you know or a couple minutes anyways and just think about it and excuse me and, and excuse me and you look at um our neighbors to the north right canada um canada canada does have universal health care and they're they're only spending forty five hundred dollars, right? Per <laughs> per year. They're only spending forty five hundred dollars per year on healthcare. So it's a question of, okay, well, how do you make up that? That's per person per year. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah. how do you right? Because mm -hmm. right now we're spending eight thousand, right? Eight private, eight public. Eight, eight yeah. private up exactly. So get rid of that, you know, the four thousand, first of all, because that, you know, one of those four thousands is just going to the the needless uh, private health insurance industry right so mm -hmm. just get rid of that right so right yeah. off the bat you get rid of four grand off the mm -hmm. top and then you, you bring up this whole notion of you know pharmaceutical drugs being expensive yada 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 right yeah you drop prices you drop prices right yeah. I mean, i mean we have price yeah. controls on stuff right i mean yeah. that's pg e that's right i mean you can do it and corporations <laughs> are paying a large portion of that taxed money portion so in theory we could they could pay their same portion yeah we could lower the prices and we'd be pretty close you, in theory. Well, you could, well, I think all you really need to do, Brendan, I mean, I think, it, you know, you, you know, I mean, this is how it's done, right? Is men, women sit around the table and say, how are we going to do this? Yeah. I mean, is that, so <laughs> yeah. how you do it, right? Is, you know, you got to figure out how you get rid of that other 500 bucks, right? And one of them is you just say, you ain't charging that much money for insulin anymore. Yeah. Period. Right. Mm -hmm. But if, and again, this kind of reveals power in our society. If, if the health care industry can give a hundred million dollars, a couple hundred million dollars to the state to make sure that there are no price controls, then you ain't got no price controls, right? And then you can charge people whatever you want to charge them. That's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the most basic problems. Um, 
And, it, you know, it, the, the, again, getting back to this whole socialism versus, or, or socialized or this whole, this whole notion of uh, socialist institutions or, you know, or, or privatization or socialism versus, versus capitalism really is what it is or the, or the free market, it might be more correct to say, is more correct to say, you know, the reality is for a lot of the, specifically the healthcare industries, we pay the research and development money anyways, right? In other words, we're giving subsidies to corporations to develop some drug. So in other words, the risk is socialized, right? But when it comes time to make money, we don't get some of that. It's not like, you know, we're part of the Green Bay Packers, right? And where you can buy a share. Not that they even get any money from that, but you can't buy. It's not like you get some type of that, some kind of money back. You know, you're not a shareholder. So, in other words, the risk is is socialized, um, but the profits are privatized. And the joke of it is, right? Say, for example, some corporation is is dealing with uh, ADHD, right? Well. We got the drug, right? I mean, it's been figured out. You know, you know, once the science is done, it's like this can this chemical treats someone with ADHD. You worked it out. You know, there's nothing else to do, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's not like those are conflict. Di- you know, it's not like it's conflict minerals or something, right? I mean, it's you know, there, there's you, you just put that stuff together, and then you know you get people that drug, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're keeping the price of these things artificially high. Mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you've got that $500 to mess with. So yeah, it's just a question of price controls, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, lower the cost of hospital stays, right? I mean, yeah. hospitals are, have become become very expensive. So any case, yeah. so there's- yeah. Back to your question, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that was important stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, there was just more there, right? Yeah, there is, that, that I wanted to, that we wanted I mean, we could keep going yeah. even. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, there's just the healthcare industry, man, you know, mm-hmm. they are- you know, and the thing is, we're, we're ranked 38th, right? You right, know? yeah. Which is not cool. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. number one, we're the wealthiest country in the world, and we're ranked 38th in the nation. Well, you know, it's or 38th in the world. Like we're even talking about, it's not only the price, it's the lack of incentive to get people off of medications. Yeah. I mean, like there's so much research, independent research, not that these pharmaceutical companies are doing on how to potentially like reverse things like diabetes in people by like through nutrition and exercise. Yeah. And like there's yeah. people doing it. Yeah. But there's no money in that. Yeah. So we're like it's not out. adopted. It's like these people who are taking on, you know, taking their medical careers independent and trying to do good for people, like really get them off their medications. Yeah. Um I no mean, question about yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. how do we get to a point where that is? Again, maybe that's the way because if we're not dependent on, on, but again, like utopian society in my brain, we get we get off of we'd get the healthcare system in a position where we can get people in there, and then all of a sudden, well, dropping the cost of that's going to become really important, you know. For you but know. then the pharmaceutical companies are going to have their you know, their cry that they're going to give out. Of course they're, you know, of course they are. Right. I mean, you go, you go to the doctor, doctor says, Brandon, you got high cholesterol, right? What's the first thing they do? They prescribe like a statin or something. A statin. Yeah. Right. They don't, I mean, they'll say, you know, you should lose some weight, you know, stop Mm -hmm. doing so much right. Right. But you know, 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how you do it. Right. I mean, Actually, if you know you drop, I mean, Americans are fat. You know, I mean, that's a reality. Yeah, because of our our diet, right? Mm-hmm. So drop some weight, 
exercise. You know, let's give it three months and then let's see if your cholesterol's dropped enough mm-hmm. to a point where, right? It, yeah. You, know, you don't need to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In any yeah. case, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's been really cool to hear um, just like a lot of things explained. Yeah. Uh, like broken down completely uh, so that we, so that people can understand. Um, I'm just curious about like where your thoughts are. Like you, we've talked about how poor we are in our country right now. Like it's, it's very us versus them. Yeah. And I think that you really hit on like why that is. Um, and that it's like, it's completely understandable that we've got to this point almost. Yeah. I I think it's, I think it's logical actually. Yeah. 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 And so like race, what can be done or like what needs to be done. I think you've hit on that, but like, yeah, I guess like what can be done, like what people can do. Yeah. Like get educated, but like what else? You know, um, I think it's a great question in terms of what can be done. Um, you know, I genuinely think it's not just because I'm sitting here today, right? But, you know, we, we were talking beforehand, right, you know, about getting people on the news, for example, right, or podcasts, you know, that mm-hmm. actually know something, right? I don't have a TV. I don't, you know, I don't watch TV. I haven't watched the TV news in, in seven, eight years. I'm not trying to sound like a jackass here, but I got this rule that I, you know, won't watch anyone on TV that's stupider than I am. And my general feeling with the TV news is virtually everyone that shows up on the TV news is, is dumber than I it's am. It's cue right? cards anyway. It, it's I mean, bad. It's yeah. Bad. It's, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the converse, I would never sit in a room with someone that, that talks to, the way people talk to each other on the news, oh, yeah. arguing, yeah. raising their voice. I just, I want to do it. Yeah. Not to mention, I don't think you get any real information. Mm-hmm. I think you, if you want to get deep info, if you want to get real information, you need to, you, you know, you need to pick up a book. You need to pick up a book. I, mm-hmm. I love you guys' setup, but you need to pick up a book. You, you need to read the news. I read the news often on all day. So you got to get yourself educated, right? Mm-hmm. But number two, you know, when I was still watching uh, TV, the one station I would watch was C-SPAN. And the reason why I watched C-SPAN is because this is exactly what they did, right? They would bring in an expert from the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. Or five experts from the Middle East. And they would talk about the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than listening to Carl Tuckerson's ass, right? <laughs> that doesn't know any, right? Yeah. It's I mean, like a TV nasty. doctor. Yeah, I mean, he's like, just... They don't, they don't practice medicine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not doing it anymore, so why are right. we taking their advice? Right. I mean... There you go, right? Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, so I do think this is a way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I, and I think we should always be critical, right? You know, one of the things that we can be critical, though, about watching, right, is, um, and I like, you know, I love movies, you know, and I, you know, I love documentaries, and I watch them just like, you know, anybody. But when you really think about it, you know, how much, no matter how much we did cover, you know, or how much we are covering or how much we've, we've covered, and we've covered a few things, mm-hmm. right? But in the end, uh, none of your viewers can ask questions, right? I mean, instead, right. it's kind of dependent on, you know, us having a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, this seems like- Allowing you know, this to that. springboard them to do their own research. Absolutely, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, to, if you really want to know about the world- and Nicholas, you, you you guys were bringing this up earlier. But number one, you got to pick up a book. That's that is number one. Period. Period. Right. 
And uh, there's just no two ways around that one. I mean, there's, you can't, you know, there's literally no two ways about that. You have to read. And I don't, you know, I don't know that people do that, you know, like really pick up books, right? You know, I hear a lot of crap about, you know, on my cell phone all day, right? It's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't really mean that, right? Mm -hmm. You don't think. Yeah. You don't think when you're just scrolling through something or looking at a, a certain ad, like a book, you're like deep, yeah. deeply entrenched in thought. You have to think, right? And, yeah. and and it works your imagination too, right? Mm -hmm. It literally works your imagination. You know, when you read the news, and this is the criticism, right? So when you read the news, you're forced to try to think about what is happening and you have time to like go through it and say, this doesn't make any sense, mm -hmm. right? This isn't making sense or or this does make sense, right? You know, yeah. or, or whatever it is, right? When when you have a conversation, which you know, I definitely think people should be talking, and definitely things like this should be happening, right? Especially something like this. Um, but one of the problems when you watch TV news, and this is one of the reasons why I turned it off. There's multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is, you know, it's like uh, there was a bombing in Yemen, and a hundred children were killed, and there's a refugee camp set up you know in the in the eastern part of yemen uh and now let's turn to marianne with weather you know it's like <laughs> yeah wait a let's second go, let's right? go back to that yeah. right exactly it's like there's i think there's more there right yeah, you know? yeah. so you, you know you just kind of get hit with stuff mm -hmm. you know not to mention i genuinely think the news model is um is generate is create is it's developed in a way to literally generate anxiety it's become it's, a game yeah I mean, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You don't know what you're getting from either any station, whoever's on TV. You don't know that you can trust it. They're Half the time, they're just trying to slander somebody else anyway. So it's not real news. It's just somebody's opinion. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I agree. There's no real benefit from it. Yeah. And I've found, even just recently, I've been reading Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Yeah. yeah. Just yep. an unbelievable, yep. like, Are you talking about Cicero? What? Are you talking about Cicero? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But um, you didn't say Marcus Tilius. You said Marcus. Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but just an unbelievable mental yeah, exercise yeah. to yeah, read yeah. through it Absolutely. and like the way they spoke, but the principles and like the virtue that they tried to live with, at yeah. least in that like um Stoic philosophy world, yeah. is just like so missing today and no it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A society that is ruled by the rich where wealth is valued over goodness, right? I mean, you know, I don't want to mm -hmm. give people, tell people your business, right? But I mean, just look at the arc of your own profession so far, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you've moved away from something that had no meaning. It had money, but it had no m meaning yeah. into something that has meaning, right? right? So, you know, you're talking about the philosophers. I mean, that's what yeah. they were all about, right? Mm -hmm. It's meaning in life. You know, your life mm -hmm. counts, yep. right? Uh, and it... it if if you don't think that, then you ain't awake yet, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, it does. Yeah, that's what they say. To paraphrase something from meditations, it says yeah. to live a life without meaning is not to live at all. That's right. right? I mean, yeah. so you're you're going through life as a corpse is one of the things that they say. Yeah, you're basically already dead. Yeah, so you got to yeah. do something worth worth doing. Of course you do, right? I mean. You know, I mean, it's it's moving out of politics, but, you know, politics is, is founded on philosophy, too, you know, and, sure. and ethics, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's, you do, have, you know, none of us in the end uh, know our purpose, you know, or, or, you know, you couldn't. There's no way that any of us could. 
but it, there definitely seems to be a time that you get to in your life where you, you know you you realize you're finally doing something that you know you feel good about that does matter to you right that uh you know you suspect that the world has meaning right or at least you want to try to find out if it does mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden you get involved in in something like this right you know? yeah and, and it's it's a part you know it, it takes time you know to, to mature into that and to, to grow into that but you, you know where you change professions you know mm-hmm. you say i'm not doing that anymore because i'm just wasting my time right yeah. and i and i'm of the view that no thoughtful person can can do something that uh, is meaningless for long, you know. They'll they'll become very unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the one of the most basic problems that, yeah. that they'll have. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if like um if meanings being something that is like being cultivated in these groups too. Yeah. Like this is my meaning. Um like I'm pushing this narrative like on this political party yeah. uh because it's it's part of like what I find meaning in. Yeah. And while it might be like a false sense of meaning, like it might still elicit some of those same positive attributes um, for them when net, it might be negative. You know? and, and, and in what group specifically were you, are you saying? Nicholas? Like any kind of group, I think. And just in society, yeah. just in general. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. I think this is, I think, uh, you know, I think it's... Um, a problem that our society deals with and we're not even totally aware that we're dealing with it. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. is that so many, you know, think about the, the average dude, right. I mean, you know, this is definitely my friends. They go to work, you know, job that kind of sucks, you know, or, or doesn't, you know, it's a little bit better, maybe make good money, maybe don't, but what do they do when they get home? They, they drink beer, they get high, right. Why, why are they drinking beer? Why are they, getting, right. Mm-hmm. You know, they turn on sports, right. In other words, they are checking out. Right? Yeah, they're literally turning checking to the out. vices. Yeah, they're turning to their vices, right? Not their, they're 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 turning to their vices, not their virtues, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And why? Because their life is not guided by virtue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Me- meaning their professional life is not guided by virtue, right? right. Wealth is being valued over goodness, mm-hmm. right? Literally. Right. I mean, you know, you even hear people talk about it in the business world like they're the godfather, right? Don't, don't take it personal, right? When they're about ready to screw you over, right? <laughs> hey, don't take it personal. It's just business, right? It's like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. Right. You know, you just, you just overcharged me for that car, $500, right? I mean, I'm taking yeah. it personal. Yeah. Right? It came out of my checking account. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, th- I think you're right, Nicholas. You know, there's, you know, this is very common. There's actually a term for it in a specific line of thought, and it's called uh, alienation, right? And this is this whole notion that in capitalist society, for sure, I think it happens in other economic systems, other societies, just other social arrangements, arrangements as well, is that the work that people do, number one, they have no control over the workplace, right? I mean, we know who is controlling the workplace, right? I mean, it's those that own the, the commanding heights of the, of the economy, the productive forces of society. Uh, they don't control the work necessarily that they do. And their work is largely meaningless, right? And so when they go home, right, what do they want to do? They want to check out, right? That's the whole that's the whole, uh, what is this, binge watching, right? You know, it's like, what did you do this weekend? I watched 10 episodes of The Walking Dead. It's like, 
what the fuck are you doing, man? You know, it's like there's a whole it's like there's a whole life out there, right? And you're like, yeah. right? And you're like yeah. watching TV for four hours, you know, on a so in any case, you, you know, this this whole notion of alienation, it's you know, if if someone is is involved in meaningful work, right? If they're involved in you know, if they're if they're fortunate enough, right? Mm-hmm. And we should, I would say, and I think you guys know, and we should all look at who's sitting in this room, right? White males all sitting in this room, right? I and mean, we benefited yeah. from this society. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. But if you're fortunate enough, if you're lucky enough to go do meaningful work, likely when you go home, you just want to, you know, hang out with your girlfriend a little bit, right? You know, or your wife, whoever it is. And then, you know, maybe watch a, you know, funny movie or a good movie, or maybe even, you know, if you're really living a meaningful life, you might want to work some more, right? Where if you're throwing a hammer, right? If you're driving a bus, you know, you come home, you you know, you eat too many M&Ms, you watch ESPN, maybe get high. I mean, you are checking out, you know, you are alienated, you know, you're doing work you don't want to do. You're alienated from the work process. You're alienated from your, you become alienated from yourself. Right. And then in an attempt to escape your alienation, right? You what do you do? You <laughs> more deeply alienate yourself from yourself by disconnecting yourself from yourself, right? Through mm-hmm. through alcohol, through drugs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean there's there's more here, right? I mean yeah, you know, intrapersonal violence, right? Interpersonal violence. You know, these are all these all can be seen at least in part as a consequence of of this notion of 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 people being frustrated, you know, people being, mm-hmm. you know, people being, being people not uh, having meaningful outlets, right? So, but, you know, there's a certain amount of, you have to take control of your life too, right? And say, okay, I'm not, if you are in that position where you're lucky enough, you say, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing something that I actually want to do, I actually care about. So I do think it is mm-hmm. in multiple groups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, how could it not be? If you're, if, 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 if what is the highest goal in our, you know, the, the highest goal in any society should be um, the education of the man, right? Mm-hmm. The education of the woman, the development of the man, the development of the woman, providing for their health, right? I mean, this is, you know, this is just be a basic human right. Yeah. So the, the man, so the woman can fully develop. Uh, and fully realize uh, their potential, right? Mm-hmm. And realize whatever they, they want to. But yeah. that is not the aim of our society at all, right? I mean, no. the aim of our, I mean, look at who's at the top of, you, you know, literally the, the political system right now. The aim of our society is something entirely different. In fact, the interesting thing about uh, capitalism, right? You know, we say we're, oh, we're a Christian nation, right? Oh, you know, a lot of people run around out there calling themselves Christians right now. Well, last time I checked, um, it, you know, I, I, I'm positive I read this somewhere that the that uh, the Bible says that the root of all evil is greed, right? Yet the very economic system that the society is based on rewards only one human impulse, right? It, it doesn't it reward compassion, it doesn't reward kindness, it doesn't re, you know, it doesn't reward anything you know i mean go through the human impulse the one impulse that it, it rewards uh is the accumulation of capital is is the want of accumulating capital is, is greed right 
So I don't know. You know, I I think maybe we should take that one more seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm quite sure I read, you know, after, you know, loving your God with all your mind, all your body and all your spirit, which is the, is the, I mean, you guys, you guys are just, you guys are, you guys are Christian brother trained, right? You guys know this stuff, right? I mean, yep. come on, right? I mean, after that one, the most important one is to love your brother as you love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? You know, I don't see the Republican Party taking that one real serious with respect to people that are showing up at literally our southern borders because they're running for their lives from violence, right, and poverty, and then allowing these individuals to 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 come in. Come on in, brother, right? We know you're struggling. Right? I don't see that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't see that at all. So that's you know, in many ways, I would say it's the age of irony, right? Um, and at times, it can be the age of absurdity, literally. Yeah. So, to change pace really quick, sure, yes. Wanted yes. to get your opinion yeah. on. I've heard a couple different variations of how people think that it could play out. Yeah. But what is your thoughts on universal basic income? Yeah, universal basic income. Um, think you know it's uh, i like the way you say it how it could play out because that's really the problem right you mm-hmm. know i think it's a great idea i think it's probably necessary you know you know s- scratch the universal basic income and just pay people enough money that they don't need a universal basic income right right that'd be nice there you go right that'd be really nice you know just say look no one's gonna make less than fifty thousand dollars Phil Knight, guess what? You can't make $30 billion. You can only live off of $25 billion. You know, give it a yeah, shot. He's going right? to be fine. <laughs> yeah, he's going to make it, right? Yeah. He's going to make right? So, unfortunately, the way I think it will play out, just because of, I mean, we have, I think we all have an understanding of how that economic system works in the United States, is that, excuse me, people find out that people have a thousand more extra dollars a month. What the hell Prices think go up. Exactly. Yeah. Right? All exactly. of a sudden, your insurance is ten bucks more. Your exactly. healthcare is ten bucks right. more. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, you know. You know. As, as far as you know, getting things right, universal income. One of these questions that was asked earlier. You know, as far as you know, who's out there, right? That you know maybe is worth looking at. Um, you know, if if the country really gets it right, right? If the working class awakes from their class slumber. Right and recognizes that they are a part of a massive size global class of working people. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, literally, right. Half of the world's population lives on two dollars or fifty cents or less a day. Eight out of ten people—that's eighty percent of the world's population. I mean, you're talking about like five point six billion people live on uh, ten dollars or less a day. That's three thousand six hundred fifty dollars or three thousand six hundred fifty dollars or less a year. Right. Mm-hmm. you know a massive class and that you know the people that are controlling the state the world over almost you know not everywhere but the almost the world over you know it's not having cuba but almost the world over are the very rich right so if they can awaken from their class slumber what they will really see is that the person that they should be electing is someone like bernie sanders right now that's that's ideal right the chances that that's going to happen my guess are, are I, I don't know the future and i don't like predicting the future but my guess is probably won't happen who knows you know it's 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 hard to know for sure but what i would say and we can look at this in in terms of the way it plays out in both directions is if joseph biden wins election right he's got he's 10 points up right now that um 
it's hard for me to believe, you know, whatever Joseph Biden was, and from all accounts that I've ever heard, uh, people that have seen him speak publicly, they say he's he's great, right? Um, but what he looks to me today is to be an old man, and he he, he does, right? I mean, just yeah. plain and simple, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And s- let's say he does win election, it's hard for me to believe that he would run if he survives his term that he would run again in in mm-hmm. in four years right it's it's hard for me to believe that yeah right? yeah i can't believe that Not, yeah i don't see it happening i don't see it happening either right i, no. I see him him stepping down right well the, the logical choice of course is kamala harris kamala harris right who is very intelligent very capable right uh as far as i'm concerned would be just fine as you know as a president right um but Kamala Harris, and I think she's already shown it, is she's, you know, Kamala Harris uh, will not be attracted to, attractive to the great mass of, of people in the United States. She's got two serious problems. She's got two things going against her. One, she's a woman. Two, she's black, right? And that just doesn't, you know, in, if you grew up in the Bay Area, who cares, right? It doesn't mean anything. But mm-hmm. The rest of the country is not the Bay Area, right? I mean, that's just not the way it is, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. based on who's in the in the White House right now. So I could see, you know, Joe Biden, he was Obama's VP, right? And he didn't get to nominate. I mean, it was Hillary Clinton, right? So so in any case, the the person, and I think who is the best political political figure out there right now, the best politician. And when I'm saying that, I'm saying uh, mainstream establishment type politician that is also progressive, right? I mean, there might be interest in or attraction towards Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez just because of, of her position, her policy issues. She's young, um, you know, and I definitely see that, right? And I think she's got a bright future, you know? I mean, she's definitely someone that could be president. There's no question about it. She's, I mean, she's arguably the most popular person in Congress right now, you know, mm-hmm. 30 years old or whatever the hell she is. But the person, if, so if, if Biden doesn't make it, um, or, or excuse me, if he doesn't run for a second term, which I'd be surprised that he does, excuse me, my guess is Kamala Harris will want to run for president, but uh, she's going to be countered by uh, Gavin Newsom, our, our governor. Mm. And it doesn't matter which party you are a part of, you know, and I would say even if you're a socialist or, you know, even on the far right and you're a fascist or a libertarian, it doesn't really matter what party you are. To not see that guy's talent is uh, to not know what talent is. Um, Gavin Newsom has had his eye on, I would say, the top job in, in the corporation since he was probably minimally since he was mayor of San Francisco. Um, he's backed by the Getty family which is as powerful as it gets, right? Getty images, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, almost mm-hmm. every image you see in the newspaper is a Getty image, yeah. right? I mean, they bankrolled him for, they helped bankroll him anyways. Plus for, they've got all the access to the absolutely. publications. So. Absolutely, mm-hmm. to the meat, right? To the, right? So they, they helped bankroll him, um, you know, to get his, his first business started. It's called Plump Jack Wineries or Plump Jack vineyard something like that up in up in napa but in any case you, you know if you watch one of his press conferences just just watch him if, if you get a chance to watch him for 10 minutes you know five minutes gavin newsom can stand there 
Uh, and he's worked his way up, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. Mayor to lieutenant. I mean, at, at 44, he was ready to run for governor. Jerry Brown entered the race, and he said, well, I guess I'll be lieutenant governor, right? So he's been lieutenant governor for eight years. Biden his time, obviously learning. But you watch that guy talk. I think he's 53 right now. Um, he'll stand in front of, right, in front of cameras, right, in, in the middle of a burned-out, you know, forest, right? Uh, stand in, in front of TV cameras uh, with no notes and talk to you for 10 minutes straight uh, and keep you engaged the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. That's talent, right? That's mm-hmm. that's real talent. And, uh, you know, literally just wait till the rest of the country gets to look at him, right? I mean, we've, you know, we know what he literally looks like, sounds like, but wait till the rest of the women in the country get a look, get to see what he looks like, right? I mean, it does not help that the guy looks like a model, right? I mean, literally it does not help. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm saying that as opinion, but there's actually a, a certain amount of, uh, or there's actually, um, the, the graduate university I went to actually was big in this, that the economics department, uh, was, was big in, in doing this research. It's called, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm about ready to talk about, um, Nicholas is, is they, they researched the, um, a chemical in the brain called, um, it's called, uh, I won't say oxy, oxy, what's the feel good chemical. I'm sure you guys would have learned serotonin. This. serotonin yeah. It's, it's no. not serotonin. It's, it's another one. It's called, it's called oxy. Some, the guy that does the research at the university I went to, his name is Paul Zach in economics. It's called something tocin, something yeah, like oxytocin, that. Tocin, yeah. Uh, what's it called? I'm pretty sure it's oxytocin. Is, isn't oxytocin a drug? Um, no, that's oxycontin. Yeah, right? that's oxycontin. Oxy, yeah. Oxytocin. So there we go. Yeah, oxytocin. Yeah. yeah, it's the feel-good drug, right? In other words, people uh, respond to, for example, happy people, right? And people, res- these are things that you know, neuropsychology, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people. You know, people respond to a smile. If you make someone feel good, they'll respond to you, right? Yeah. Well. I mean, just look at Gavin Newsom. You know, he smiles when he talks. He can be very serious. You know, he's he's very rational. Uh, he he knows policy just inside and out. You know, like nobody's business. And he's been forced to, I think, learn how to speak without notes because he's actually dyslexic, right? Mm-hmm. So he's had he's had to like work to you know understand. Wow. Yeah, yeah, to, I didn't know that. Yeah, to, he's he's had to work to you know really understand stuff. Is he a like a by trade is he a lawyer you know gavin newsom went to santa uh santa clara university okay and he played baseball his dad was a a, um, a judge i think in the city mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what brought him into politics in in general but he's been dialed in since like mm-hmm. day one I mean, yeah and you, i mean you see that his dad's guy, been grooming him well I, I would say he's been grooming himself Got that's it. what that's what mm-hmm. how he strikes me yeah but you i mean you see gavin newsom at at 30 five is when he was mayor of San Francisco. I'm not kidding you. He looks like a, he looks like a GQ, GQ model. Right. I mean, now he looks and it literally matters. Right. Because yeah, people like that, their attractiveness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, and I personally think Gavin Newsom is well aware of it, even though he doesn't ever let on to it. Right. Well, I think to your point, I think that's probably why he's been working on himself. I'm sure he knew he was entering game and he was going to have a stigma against him. And self-development is probably his way of being like, 
okay, yeah, but there's way more underneath right. the surface. I'm not just mm-hmm. a pretty face, right? Yeah. But but also, if he's smart, right, he says, I know I got a pretty face, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I got I got to do the work to win exactly right you know i gotta i gotta do the the you know i gotta do what it takes to actually win and so in my view if i had to guess you know if we did this again in four or five years i, I wouldn't be shocked if if literally if gavin newsom's in number one and is in the white house right? yeah. i want to blow me away mm-hmm. but number two if biden doesn't win and instead it's it's trump right that that ends up winning god help us all right if he wins re-election right then like today, Gavin Newsom is the face of the Democratic Party, right? And he is the counterbalance for the whole country. I mean, basically mm-hmm. for the whole country. I mean, it's just a matter of time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's already said we're the most anti-Trump state, you know, in the United States, right? And you know, he is. I mean, you just got to just got to watch the guy. I mean, he's 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 a new Democrat. You know, he's. You know, we were talking about FDR earlier, and you got to be careful when you start comparing people with FTR, right? But mm-hmm. we've got big enough problems if people are willing to address them. You know, global warming is is one of them. So, uh, all the, the the size of the military, the troops all over the you know all over the all over the world, the bases all over the world, uh, the fact that uh, you know these nonstop wars, you know, just on and on and on. You know, we've had a hundred separate. Um, military wars or operations just since 1945 not one of them declared uh, as required by the united states constitution 30 of them uh that have taken place just since um uh, the turn of the century right so i mean this is a a major issue right that's you know the empire is just draining the republic right or you know Mm -hmm. we're we're financing the empire but you know you guys pay fifty thousand dollars to go to school Right, you know, I mean, that's how those things are. Right, it's guns and butter. Right, yeah. We're we're t- we're we're turning plowshares into swords when we need to be turning swords into plowshares. So if anyone ever wants to address that issue, right, that's a that's a major mm-hmm. issue, right? But you know, there's there's major issues, and you need someone that has got real talent, that is pragmatic, you know, that is that can talk to everybody, you know, and that is, you know, Gavin Newsom. I don't know that people really see it, but Gavin Newsom has actually got a, you know, not only is he forward thinking and he shut down California before any state shut down, right? But he's got uh, the will to do things that are unpopular, right? And that is a sign. That is one of many signs of a yeah. good politician, right? You've you've got you can't just be, and it's really the one of the signs of of someone that um, will stand out. Eventually, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be willing to to go against popular opinion, yeah. right? And he's he's done it. He's done it multiple times. And I think also to his favor, I don't think he comes off as where I would say like he's not the showboaty right. kind of like overly exuberant politician. Like, I mean, if you can want to even call Donald Trump a politician, he's a he's, public figure yeah. more than anything. He's a but, real estate hustler. Yeah. yeah. That's what he but, is. You know? he's a, real estate. a very different vibe from Gavin Newsom yeah. of like him. I mean, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, he seems like he, he plays the part really well yeah. of like, Definitely. that's what we, he's like the respectable politician you think you want. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Yeah. I, I would agree 100%. You know, I mean, you know, and all, you know, who cares what I think to some degree, right? Obviously, but, you know, I, I didn't, you know, this isn't 
because you know I'm not. This isn't a a, um, a party bias, right? You know, it's, I'm I'm neither a Democrat or a Republican, right? So it's it's, uh, and it doesn't mean I'm an independent either. But you know, I didn't even vote for Gavin Newsom, right? Mm-hmm. But I respect him and I see his mm-hmm. talent, you mm-hmm. know. And if you're put into a situation kind of like we are right now, um, you know, where you got a choice between the devil or you know Joe Biden, right? You know, the the choice is pretty obvious, right, to me. Um, and Gavin New, I mean, I I just I I do think, excuse me, if he sees this, <laughs> right, he should give me a job at the state, right? yeah, right, because I'm Absolutely. I'm definitely yeah. right, I'm definitely I'm definitely trying to selling him here, right, <laughs> and so, but um, you know he. He's the the one person on the American political scene right now that's on the stage mm-hmm. that that uh, you know that has got what it takes. It's him, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it is definitely it is definitely him. And excuse me, goodness gracious, you know he, you know you can tell he's a working man too. You know because if you've seen him in his, his press conferences. I mean, the guy's always, his voice is almost, he's always raspy, right? I mean, he's always losing his voice, right? You know, I mean, so you know he's working, right? I mean, he ain't tweeting, right? You know, like that fool in the White House, you know, I mean, mean, some weekends he's like sending out like, right? Like on one day he'll send out like 20, 30 tweets or something. He'll do it within like two hours. Yeah. It's crazy. Just And he's just stirring things up. Like, it's just like, sometimes it's like. And I think that for me is like in the modern age that yeah. we're living in now. Yeah. I just don't know that like the 30 tweets a day taking jabs at people like, yeah. and that's where people get like calling him a troll, right? Like yeah. he's an internet troll. Yeah. It's like, because he's just like, is that our president? Like I thought the president was like a highly coveted, respected role. And I just don't know that a Twitter troll is like really like, it doesn't sit well with me. So it be the number one person. Yeah. What's that? That, that, it's yeah. supposed to be the number one person. That's yeah. crazy that right. like you think of this the, person who's the highest like, voted on by person. the people. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir yeah, over here, I brother. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear you, right? I, yeah. mean, I I definitely agree. You know, I, I think uh, his his um, mental health concerns. You know, I think his yeah, it's his serious. It's serious, yeah. right? It's absolutely right. You know, his mental health concerns. His pathological line, his his how erratic he is. You know that was the thing with Obama, right? Another man I did not vote for, but to not see his talent, it, it, you're just being dishonest, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, or you don't know what talent is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Obama, you know, Obama's already ranked like either the seventh or eighth greatest president we've ever had, right? And you know, it, within the context of Democrat Republicans, you know. I mean, I w- always wanted to see him do more. You know, I w- you know, I didn't want to just see this, this, you know, this narrow expansion of Medicaid. You know, where you got twenty million more people on the rolls. What I wanted to see, and he only had eight million that ever even signed up. What I wanted to see was universal health care, right? So for me, he never went far enough, right? Mm-hmm. That was always the thing with President Obama. Um, but pre- I mean, come on! I mean, the man was all. If you can separate a man from his politics, I don't think you can. Right, I don't think you. It's like saying, "Well, if you can separate a man from his ethics, it's like, yeah, but is that that is who you are, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, come on, right? So, and what's behind your politics Ooh. is your ethics, right? So, I don't think you can. But if you can separate a man from his politics, uh, then 
Barack Obama's classes you, you get, at least as a, mm-hmm. a public person, right? There's, yeah. And if anyone's, 100%. yeah, and if anyone's classier than him, it was it was Michelle Obama. But the reality is, Barack Obama deported more people than George Bush. The reality of Barack Obama is Barack Obama signed off on cutting every single social welfare state uh, while he was president. The reality of Barack Obama is he extended the Bush year tax cuts for the rich, not once, but twice. Uh, he offered the bailouts to the banks. The reality of the uh, that were even more so than, than George Bush. The reality of Barack Obama is he dropped more bombs on the people of Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria than, than George Bush did, you know? So that's the reality of Barack Obama, right? Um, again, within the context, though, right, of mm-hmm. Democrat, Republican, he's about as good as you're going to get. It's kind of like within the context of the Democrat and Republican Party, Gavin Newsom is about as, as good as you're, you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I outright disagree with some of the stuff they do, Um but it doesn't mean that you can't uh, see the talent of a man, right, mm-hmm. or a woman, right, and and you yeah. can't and you can't, uh, you know, respect it. You know, respect work, anyways. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I don't respect Donald Trump. You know, I have zero respect for him. You know, number one, I would never disgrace myself by lying. Period. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, literally. You know, we had someone in class the other day say something like. They said, uh, all politicians lie. And I said, well, you know, I was kind of involved for a while, right? And I said, I never told one lie, right? And, and it's not just, you know, in public life. It's also in your personal life, you know? I mean, it's it's yeah. everywhere, right? You don't lie. You know, it's, there's some, you, mm-hmm. know you, you, you call a spade a spade and you if you lose, you accept that loss. If you screw something up, you know, you apologize to somebody if you, if you hurt them. Uh, if if um, if there's something that doesn't make you look good, you don't make something up, right? right? You just tell the truth about what doesn't make you look good, right? It's, yep. I just want to relate it so closely to when somebody gets caught using steroids in yeah. professional sports. Yeah, Lance Armstrong yeah. got eaten alive. Mark McGuire, we kind of forgot about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you messed up, just say you messed up. That's right. Yeah. And people will forgive you, yeah. but go 10 years of trying to say that people are full of crap and I didn't do it yeah. and everybody's lying. They're trying to make me look bad. Like when it comes out that you That's were right. lying, you look extra bad. Well, you know, Lance aren't, you know, at some point, you know, there's a psychological dimension. I mean, there's a psychological sure. dimension all the way through, right? At some yeah. point, you're well, like, they were- all, what is the matter with that? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like, what's the matter with Lance Armstrong? Well, right? they, they I were – I actually was just listening to some research yeah. on, that they did on actually Lance yeah. Armstrong. I don't even know if – because I was just listening to this that this came up. But they were saying that uh, after his cancer diagnosis, yeah. he got such a strong will to live that he was constantly fighting to win that battle with cancer yeah. that he could never shut it off. Yeah. And with through chemotherapy and all this other stuff. So when he got back into sports – anything to do to win that new fight that was in front of him. So yeah, like totally a psychological aspect at play there. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Ego Ego gets Mm -hmm. inflated for sure. Yeah. Especially when you're like the best at what you do. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's always the trouble with sports just in general. Right. I mean, that's, you know, people want to where sports guys go wrong. It's like, 
when everyone tells you do whatever the hell you want to do, right? Yeah. You know, you get free passes. Not to mention you're on, you know, I mean, think of the guys that show up on on TV Sunday after, you know, these things can be addicting, right? There's just no question about it. Cameras and lights can be addicting, right? I mean, that is what the president's addicted to. He's addicted to, he's not made of anything. He's addicted to his own fame, right? He won't, you know, mm-hmm. that's the only thing that matters to him is fame and greed, right? Two, like two of the most base impulses in in the human psyche right literally you know that mm-hmm. that drive people uh but those things can be um addicting but you you know you look at some of the people that that do show up right sunday after sunday i mean look at tom brady right i mean that dude shows up on on you know one interview after another they interview him on on the radio but he shows up you know one sunday after another on tv and, and people asking questions about you know Whatever, right? I mean, it's overwhelmingly about sport. But that dude is 43 years old. And by all accounts, he doesn't have a thought in his brain, right? I mean, literally. Now, is Tom Brady one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game? Absolutely. He ain't, for my money, Joe Montana is the best quarterback (laughs) of all time, right? But is Tom Brady great? Absolutely. Did he get, I mean, now we're doing like Joe Rogan pod, podcast, right? So, you know, is he, is he great? Absolutely. There's no question about it. I've never seen Joe Rogan, by the way, right? I've only, I've only heard about him. Um, but, you know, is he a great quarterback? Did he really give something to the game? There's no question about it. You know, the, the cardinal sin in football in sport in general is to never quit, right? Even though you, you say that, uh, the reality is, uh, so many people do quit and they do give in, right? Even if you know, even if they're still out there playing, they do give it up at some point, right? They mm-hmm. say, All right, Tom, that dude, right? If there's eight minutes to play, and I don't, I don't watch TV, I don't watch football, I don't watch it, right? I mean, it's for my money, that not even for my money, they're just not playing football out there anymore. But if there's eight minutes left and they're down by three touchdowns. He is going to play till the very end of the game. Right? I mean, yeah. he's not going to stop, right? And everybody knows it too. And everyone like knows people it. are like, "Well, this game might go the other way. This might this game yeah. might go the other way, right?" But then he gets interviewed, right? Ask him about anything other than you know football. It's like Bill Belichick. I mean, I couldn't even imagine playing for this dude. You know, I mean, it's just the best coach in sports is Steve Kerr. Right, if we know Steve, and I don't watch basketball, right? But if you've ever listened to Steve Kerr talk, right, his his father was a political science professor at the um, in 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 Lebanon at the, at the University of I'm going to forget the, the name of the university, but he was a political science professor in in Lebanon. Um, I can't remember it, but. Uh, his dad was literally assassinated in the in the 1980s, right? So you watch Steve. If you ever see a Steve Kerr interview, like he'll talk about basketball, right? But you switch to you know talking about politics, you know he doesn't say, "Well, we're dealing with the Nuggets next week," right? You know, like Bill Belichick, right? It's like yeah. let's say, right? He don't. He has nothing in his head other than mm-hmm. than football, right? You know, he'll he'll tell you what he thinks, and he knows. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, yeah. right? He has a real opinion right yeah your old man gets assassinated for his political beliefs or for what he's doing you know something about the world right yeah mm-hmm. so in, in any case tom Bra- i mean it just you know sport is a you know sport is a sign 
sport is another one of these indicators of alienation in our society, right? You know, this, my friends do it, you know, this, this mindless following of sports, you know, and it's the obsessive following of sports, right? I mean, it can be mindless and that, you know, some of my friends will watch almost anything, but it can also just be this obsessive following of sports, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and my friends tend to be football guys, but they're basketball guys too, Mm -hmm. baseball guys. You know, they don't really know anything about the world. They, you know, watch some crap on Fox News and they pop off on Facebook and then, you know, it's back to the, <laughs> the games, right? Yeah. You know, that's kind of what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, there's ESPN, you know. Got and my headline for the day. Got my headline for the day, sure. right? Yeah. Fox News. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, some of my friends, man, I'm like, how did we ever become friends? You know, you guys are so stupid, right? I mean, <laughs> truly, right? It's like, how did this how did this happen because because if we would have met as adults the thing with me and my friends anyways is we all met when when we were young um we met in we all met in junior high school we had five junior high schools that fed our junior high school we all met when we were like 11 basically and we're still all friends but if i would have met i'd say at least half of them today there's no way right mm-hmm. i mean there's you know at least you know two of them are trump supporters i'm just like how are we friends? You know, seriously, like, how do we, how are we even friends? So, yeah. In any case, that's, that's growing up, right? You know, you get yep. older and it's, it's hard to hang out with some of the people that you hung out <laughs> when you were, when you were younger. So, but yeah, uh, sport, you know, I would definitely say sport is one of those things, man. It's, 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 it's indicative of, you know, you, uh, this notion of the meaningful life was brought up earlier, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, just the whole idea of watching, you know, you know, living through someone else, right? Yeah. And and, and it, you know, you can really see, and I would push it this far with football, right? Because it really is our national sport. Football is, uh, you know, why do people like football? Football and sports are great, right? I mean, we all play sports. Sports are sports are great, right? But football is a toxic and intoxicating brew of power, violence, and togetherness, right? And it, it goes right to our DNA, literally, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, literally right to your DNA, right? I mean, it's like- It is primal. Two, it's yeah. primal, right? Mm-hmm. It's like two rams hitting each other, yeah. right? I and mean, it's, it's negatively reinforced because these kids are young, no, serving these primal needs and getting yeah. paid- Absolutely. Incredible wealth. No yeah. doubt about it, right? No doubt about it. But the soul of the game of football- you know, like it, don't like it, doesn't matter, right? It's the soul of the game. The soul of the game is violence, right? You know, yeah, I like seeing Peyton Manning, you know, chuck the ball all over the yard too, right? But what you really want to see is you want to see someone risk their health to catch a football and you want to see someone risk their health to stop someone from catching a football. Well, what did the NFL do? The NFL, because, you know, people were starting to have all kinds of neurological problems and, and um, they're they're essentially getting punch drunk is what they were getting right. I mean they're getting the same stuff that that boxers were getting this with CTE, and, and it, you know it wasn't just from concussions. It was from these what they call sub concussive hits, right? Just the the mm-hmm. you know the the every play stuff that mm-hmm. happens. Well, they said, you know, first is like okay, no more of these big hits. In other words, they they made illegal Ronnie Lott basically, right? <laughs> I mean, that, you know, Ronnie Locke couldn't play in today's game, right? Yeah. yeah. He just couldn't do it. So they did that about seven years ago. And then 
a couple summer, and then they they slowly you know just started cutting away at the violence. And excuse me, they slowly started cutting away at the violence as far as what you could do. The onside kick, you know, is you know, running back ducking his head outside the, the tackles, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Then they finally get to this this rule two years ago where they say, I guess it's coming on three years now. They say. No more initiating contact with your helmet. Well, that is football, right? You know, initiating, I mean, that is what it's about. You know, that is the name of the game, right? So, you know, people, you know, what what that people are playing now, and it doesn't mean they're not great athletes, right? And, and this isn't even the, the point. There's a, you know, there's a point aside from this, right? Is that it doesn't mean that they're not great athletes. They are great athletes. But the game that they're playing is rugby with pads. And there's already people out there playing rugby without pads, right? So, you know, why should people, and this is the point, right? So why would people even watch this crap, right? You know, why would they even watch the NFL? Well, it shows, right? It shows, you know, you're talking about the meaningful life, right? You know, it shows what type of lives, it, it you know, it, this is going towards alienation. This is going towards what capitalism does to people, right? At least, at least from one perspective. That even though it's just a ghost of the game running around out there on the fields, right? Football's never been more popular. You know, people love, I mean, people spend, I'm sure you guys got friends. I, I, I know I do. They spend, you know, they, they, they'll spend literally like three hours on draft night, right? Watching the draft oh, yeah. come in, right? I got kicked and out of my fantasy football there, see, there you go. Look, there because go. I like wasn't engaged right? enough for the rest of the people in <laughs> there it. You go, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My friends are all fantasy football guys too. Right? Yeah. You know? When it's like sports betting is getting so popular too. Yeah. I mean, it always has been, but it's even getting more increasingly popular. So, absolutely. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, people are in it. Absolutely. Right now, especially like with quarantine, people want sports back. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you're, you know, if you're, again, I mean, I, I think it is related to politics, right? I mean, you know, can your politi- politico economic system provide a meaningful life for people? If it can, Right, that you know, they had the games in ancient Rome, right, for the working class essentially. Um, but if your if your political and economic system can provide a meaningful life for people, then the the, the engagement, the participation, the importance on some of these oh. things go down, right? Mm-hmm. They they just you know it doesn't it doesn't mean that people don't drink still. I mean, it's never you know you're talking about ideal society, you know. Or utopian society, you know, people are going to drink, you know, yeah. I mean, that's going to happen, right? People are going to pay, you know, but the the healthier society is, uh, the more, the, the more value in their daily lives that they have, not monetarily, right? Mm-hmm. And this is all related to the political system, you know, provided that they can provide that, you know, provided you don't have one class of, of people living off of the, the work of, of other people, Right. Um, you know, just to push that point a little further, because sometimes people hear that and they don't, they don't really get it. You know, this whole, you know, where's wealth and poverty come from? And it, this is related to what, you know, what is, is being said here. It's sometimes you got to step outside of your own society to really see this, right? You know, you talk about the, the, the rich living off the, the poor, right? And people are like, oh, eh, right? Well, just put it in another context. The most brutal form of capitalism to have ever exists was slavery, right? Now, what happened in slavery? You know, where was wealth generated? Well, where wealth was generated was 
literally from slave owners sitting on the porch drinking their tea and slaves out in the field picking cotton, right? Where did the wealth come from? From the work of the slave, right? Literally from the work of the slave. And um, the, the whatever, so what were the means of production? What was the, the productive forces of the economy at the time? It was the plantation, right? It was cotton. It was, you know, whatever the hell it was, right? Sugar, whatever, you know, whatever they're producing. Well, did the, did the slaves reap the benefit of slavery? No, I mean, it's so, these things are so obvious, right? I mean, it's like, no, I, I, you know, I'm asking rhetorically, but right. I mean, it's right. Yeah. It's like, no, they, you know, of course not. You know, who reaps the benefit? The the slave owner, did he do any work? Mm -hmm. No. Right. Well, the system of capital extraction is exactly the same, right? Ex not similar. Of when you look at the capitalist economic system and you look at the relationship between owning class and working class, it's the exact same relationship in terms of capital extraction as the slave master and the slave, right? Now, can you cut an arm off of a worker? No. You know, can you... Beat a worker? No. Can you rape a worker? No. Can you sell a worker? No. Right? I mean, you can't do these things. Does slavery exist? No. You know, that's a good thing. That shows that there is progress in human affairs, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, this 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 notion about history repeating itself, right? It, it doesn't have to be that way, right? And men, women can move forward. Just by the very fact that I that we just are using this word, men, women can move forward. I mean, 10 years ago, you maybe don't even say that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 10 years ago, you, you don't even get, you, you know, if you talk about mankind, no one bats an eye for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember it was less than five years ago for the first time I wrote in a paper, mankind, and someone actually asked me to change the word, right, mm -hmm. into humanity, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there is progress, right? Yeah. You, you can make progress in human affairs. There's no question about it. Uh, but pro But it does move slowly, but... Uh, the point with this is, is that, um, you know, this economic system in, in which we live, uh, it, it impacts, you know, the whole of our lives, right? I mean, you, you know, even when you think about this show right here, you know, like if, if you know, once you start, you know, who am I, right? I'm, you know, I'm just some average Joe, right? But you start, you know, you get some... Cornell West on here, you know, people like that. And all of a sudden, what happens? Coca-Cola wants to advertise with you guys, right? You know, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to do it, right? I hope you right. don't do it, right? But that's kind of how it works, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the you know, the economic system impacts us everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And we know, again, all about, you know, this idea of democracy or George Washington cutting down the cherry tree, but we don't understand how capitalism works. And you start talking about the rich living off the poor. You start talking about capitalism. I mean, sometimes you and your generation is actually my what I've noticed is starting to warm up to it. And I I see your generation pointing to capitalism as the problem more, right? Where my generation, you couldn't even say the word. I mean, people just said, or you people didn't say the word. They say free market, you know, laissez faire, mm -hmm. right? But, you, you know, my generation, you start talking about capitalism and people start accusing you of being a Marxist, right, or being a socialist, mm -hmm. you know, which I don't take offense to, right? You know, that's – I don't have a problem with that one necessarily, right? But, they, you know, they – you know, they'll start accusing you of um, – uh, start accusing you of something like that. But, you know, it, not my problem, you know, that – the, the you know the socialist economic right philosophy that it, you know it's like 
you know, just because you don't like the fact that Newton, you, you know, laid out, you know, with his calculus, right? That, you know, that that actually all the planets orbit around the sun, right? You know, instead of the instead of everything orbiting around the Earth, doesn't mean that you're an anti-Newton. <laughs> right or an anti-Newtonite, right? You know, what I mean, you accept what the science is, right? It's like, oh, you know, we accept it, and then Einstein pushed it forward, right? Fig news, right? Fig news. You, you accept it, right? It's like, hey, you know, he's, it's, you know, it, it, you know, I, I don't, he's not controversial today, so you just accept it, right? You know, it's not my problem that there's somebody that the the international owning class, the U.S.-based international owning class, has a problem with named Karl Marx that figured out how it works, right? Figured out how the economic system works. Now, I don't call myself a Marxist, right? I would never, I'd never call myself that. But, you know, he is the one that really laid it out, right? It's like, this is kind of how it works, you know? So to to not embrace the an, an understanding of how capitalism works is just to not embrace the truth you know i mean mm-hmm. it, it's like saying i don't like the fact that cigarettes cause cancer so you know uh you know i'm gonna so smoke don't. more so yeah. i'm out I'm yeah out, right don't think about it yeah i don't think right we already got people doing that with global warming yeah right? yeah I, the man. capacity for denial right i mean yeah. this is a this is a psychological issue right yeah it's the cognitive dissonance cognitive dissonance yeah absolutely and there's plenty of this going on in politics in the united states today man there's there's just so strong you know one of my one of my best friends you know i'm I'm not trying to make this too personal but uh one of my best friends i think it is illustrative one of my best friends uh is white boy married to a black girl and is a trump supporter and he says the most racist crap on facebook right i'm Mm -hmm. like you do know that you're married to a black girl, right? You know, cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. You know, and it's and I, in my view, I think he thinks, right, because he is he's married to a black girl that, it's you know, okay. he's prote- yeah he's protected, he's yeah. justified, right? And, and you know, I do see him. T- it is a pathetic society at times. You know, I do see him changing on Facebook, you know, the stuff that he posts, right? You know, it, you know, it, he's he's progressing, you know. He's probably going to watch some of this shit. He's probably going to watch some of this and he's like, oh, we ain't friends no more, right? <laughs> so, he, you know, he's, he's see, you know, he, I do see him progressing and, you know, I do see him talking about, you know, you know, what difference doesn't matter what party you're in, you, you know, you should always treat people right. And yeah, you know, just very generic crap, right? <laughs> but, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was making his stand, that takes a man to do what Colin Kaepernick did, right? Or a woman, however you want to say it, right? It, it mm-hmm. took someone that had iron, right? The iron in their, in their backbone. Um, when he took his stand, I mean, the comments were just ridiculous, you know? It, it was so fast, too, yeah. right? Like, that's that. it didn't get thought through. It didn't really get heard. Um, it's It was such an impulsive reaction. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if we can just think back to that time, just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. And, and just try to quietly, or don't quietly, but just remember what Colin Kaepernick said, because Colin Kaepernick is kind of a quiet guy, right? And he believes in silent protest. But he did make clear what he was doing, right? And what did mm-hmm. he say? which is very illustrative of our society, right? He says, he says, I'm sitting, I mean, he even talked to this military guy, right? 
I'm sitting in protest of racial injustice, right, and police brutality, right, when the national anthem's being played. Very clear, right? You know, he didn't say, I mean, that, that is what he said. Mm-hmm. How did virtually the whole country react? You're disrespecting the military, right? It's like, does it, the national anthem only represent the yeah, military? Yeah, it became like a, all, you hate all of America. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous, yeah. right? It's like, you know, this is why I say, you know, the, the military is a, you guys use this word, uh, deep discussion, you know, or, you know, you can explore it a lot. It absolutely is. And, you know, we don't have to go too far into it, but it is a deep dis- uh, discussion. And the, the military is very much an invisible institution in our society. And, and what I mean by that, if if you just think about your own family, right? And let's let's start here. If you just think about where you live, likely, even if you're not aware of it, but my guess is you guys are aware of it, within 20 minutes, there's a military base where, where you live. And if not 20 minutes, probably a half hour, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know. You know, DVC is kind of a part of this conversation. De La Salle, right? I mean, where I grew up in Pleasant Hill myself, you know, Concord Naval Weapons Station is a is a half hour or 15 minutes yeah, away, right? It's right, right up Willow, Willow Pass. Travis Air Force Base, right? Out there in Backville, Fairfield. If you Mar- live in, the Maritime Academy. What's that? The Maritime Academy. The Maritime Academy, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, that's, you know, that, that's uh, Vallejo, yeah. right? You know, if, if you know... Um, if you live Pleasanton, Dublin, Camp Park, yeah. right? If you live Oakland, you know, Alameda, right? In other words, it's everywhere, right? But you don't see – when you guys were in high school, even though you went to a, a very collegiate prep school, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I know a little bit about De La Salle, but uh, good school, right? Uh, very, you know, you got you need money to go to, to school De La yeah. Salle, right? Mm-hmm. I would almost guarantee – all four branches came in to recruit you guys to go into the military still though, right? I mean, just because you were did they did they let them at De La Salle let, I let those guys? definitely saw Marine and Army at outside of football games. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Marine and Army. Yeah. Okay. Any case, the, you know, Pleasant Hill has all four recruiting branches within Pleasant Hill over by the seven eleven by by DVC, right? Oh, th- yeah, right there. Yeah. If you think if you think about your family, right? likely you have an uncle or a cousin or a brother, you know, someone that's, you know, minimally friends that are in the military. I, I never thought about it this way, but I actually come from a military family. Uh, you know, five of my six uncles were in the military. My grandfather fought in World War II. One of my cousins was a lieutenant colonel in, in the war in Iraq. My dad was an officer in the military, right? I mean, so it's it's just all, it's all over. When you know, you know, we look at one of our our uh, most important institutions in society. You know, sport. When, when you go to a baseball game, you know they tell you to stand, tell you to take off your hat, and then if you just think about what you're usually asked to do, they usually ask you to pay some kind of respect to the to the military or the military troops that are defending our freedom, right? Excuse me. Now, last time I checked, uh, there's at least two problems with this, right? The first problem is is, <laughs> is that I'm quite sure the national, right? Number one, I've never heard anyone say, you know, please stand and listen to the, the national anthem, take you off your hat, and we want to pay as much respect as we can to the United States Constitution, 
right? I've never heard them say, uh, take off your hat, let's stand for the national anthem, and let us, uh, let us be mindful of the fact that uh, the LGBT community is no longer being discriminated against in, in the United States, right? Where the women have the right to vote, right? Or, you know, that, you know, you pick it, you know, you pick the issue, right? I mean, national anthem represents, but no, you know, you go to one of our most important, engage in one of our important, more, one of our most important institutions, institutions, football, baseball, right? It's always, you know, it's always the troops abroad, right? Now, that's the first problem. The se- you know, the second problem is just this whole notion that the United States military is somehow protecting our freedoms, right? You can't bomb a million people, right? You can't bomb and kill a million people in Iraq. Uh, a figure, my guess is, I, I think Nicholas knows it, but uh, a figure that my guess, if you ask 10 people outside of this room, nine of them would not know it. Or, would, you know, they, you know, Trump people just think you're making it up. But you can't kill a million people in a country that never harmed the hair on one head of one person from the United States before the United States invaded and occupied that that country, kill those uh, million people and some right and somehow and and went to that country uninvited, right and stole their stuff, right. Uh, you know, it's obvious what they they stole, um, and, and say that somehow they're defending our freedom. You know what freedom is is being defended here. You know, there's no freedom that I'm aware of in the Constitution that says the rich should bribe the state so the state will then go kill people, poor people in a third world country and take their stuff, the stuff that they're taking as well, right? So, you know, this mythology that is, has grown up, this mythology about what the military is, uh, is harmful um, uh, in us trying to understand um, – uh, what the United States military is used for. And from a psychological perspective, it's harmful to troops who do go abroad, don't know what they're fighting for, kill poor people, because it's, it's never rich people that are killed. It's, it's almost always poor people that are, are killed. Kill poor people, maybe even are put in a situation where their, their troop, their battalion is going to be attacked uh, or, or literally, they're confronted with a situation where, uh, where, where literally a child has been strapped with dynamite, dynamite, and is is walking towards their troops, and you know they're in a, a you know a, a, a small group of twenty people or so, and if they don't shoot this seven eight year old child, he's going to come right up to them and, and kill them, right? So uh, then they are faced with shooting a seven, eight-year-old child, they come home and what do they have? PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. And why? Because they're spreading democracy. I mean, it's absolute crap, you know? Yeah. I mean, these lies have been going on for, you know, in, in, in the late, in the late, eight, in the late uh, 1800s, it was uh, the white man's burden, right? You know, now it's just spreading democracy. Any case. I think a lot of the um, responses I hear in, rebuttal to stuff like that is um revolving around you know it's a combination i think of the the fear of after 9-11 what happened and then people saying that 
you know, we have to prevent these like radical ideologies from spreading yeah. so that attacks like that don't happen again. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there, there's got to be some place in between where it, I agree that I think we're probably at an extreme, but I, I definitely don't know enough about everything yeah. going on to like really be fully educated on, on a yeah. response or an answer for myself. But, um, from that standpoint, that's a good place to start, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But from that standpoint, do you like, do you see that? often as far as like the protecting against um like impacts from 9-11 and preventing those things from happening again do you how much weight do you think that response holds i guess well you you know just again going back to that earliest comment about uh, terrorism in the united states you know you you literally have a better chance of 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 dying falling out of bed Mm -hmm. right than you do from, from a terrorist attack inside the united states you know the, the chief terrorist organization out there um, is Al Qaeda, and it 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 numbers. I can't remember the number, but we'll pick the high number. I, I was thinking a thousand, but I think the high number is. We'll just take the high number, which is ten thousand, right? Yeah, it, 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 the response to that. So you got ten thousand people. That's an enemy, right? Al Qaeda. The response to that is to have military bases on every continent except for Antarctica, including 32 on the small Japanese island of Okinawa alone. You know, a thousand military bases spread out all over the world. I mean, at some point, when is is this? Are we still being justified? Is this justified? Right? You know, troops in 150 countries. You know, military bases in 130. You know, is this is this the right response to ten thousand people? Right. You know, I mean, uh, the Cold War. Maybe I get it, right? You know, you got the whole half of the world almost, right? You know mm-hmm. that you're you're concerned about, but the, you know the whole national security uh, argument, I think, is is nonsense, mm-hmm. and I think it has been for a long time. Uh, I I think um, there's a neoliberal order that's been imposed on the rest of the world, and you know, basically. And it's part of the new world order, actually, once, you know, George Bush became, was elected. I mean, the first George Bush. And and he said in in one of his State of the Union addresses, he said, uh, the new world order is what we say goes. And it's, that's what it is, right? You know, you oppose, let me just give, instead of just talking, you know, and just like, uh, you know, opinion, let's just look at the facts, right? One of the most basic lines of thought in international relations, if you took international relations, is this notion of, of MAD, right? Mutually assured destruction. The idea is that, is that countries with nuclear weapons won't fight each other, right? Because they'll, they'll destroy each other. Well, uh, George Bush, his, his son, of course, um, put three countries on the axis of evil hit list, right? That was North Korea, that was Iraq, and that was Iran. Um, and shortly, and what we saw uh, <laughs> shortly after this, right, was that if you don't have nuclear weapons, watch out, right? And the people of Iraq have learned that um, in a deadly way, mm-hmm. a deadly way, right? And, uh, and, and why, right? You know, does the United States want their sand? You know, no, right? I mean, I mean, these things are obvious, right? Again, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. There's clear, there's obvious to see the sun in the sky, but you gotta be willing to look, you know, you gotta be willing to look up. And, uh, you know, what did Iran do? You know, Iran started, you know, Iran's got a nuclear weapons program 
or excuse me, it's got a nuclear program, but it was never enough to enrich, you know, uranium for a nuclear weapon. But now that, you know, these these treaties have been broken, they you know, apparently they are moving in that direction. And if I was Iran, if I was an advisor to the Iranian government, I would tell them to develop a nuclear weapon if I was dealing in real politics. Ultimately, if I was talking to anybody about nuclear weapons, I'd say disarm, right? You know, if you don't want to have a nuclear war, that's how you do it. Uh, but what did North Korea do? You know, North Korea has, you know, 16 or 15 nuclear weapons and they're not going to give them up and they shouldn't, right? And because if they do, they'll be vulnerable to U.S. attack. In other words, right, it, it, you know, go, you know, go against the United States. And, and this is, we're just talking about the nuclear question, right? Go against the United States and watch out. You're going to be on the U.S. hit list, right? This says nothing about... um you know, all the countries that don't have nuclear weapons that went against the United States from, say, 1945 to, to today. And the United States has overthrown one country after another. The leaders of one country after another has assassinated one one leader after another. In fact, the Central Intelligence Agency has been engaged in the overthrowing of 30 separate country since 1945. This is just the CIA, right? We're not talking about, you know, regime change, which what happened in Iraq, right? You know, this is like, you know, overthrow, right? Helping overthrow um, a political leader and has been involved in assassinating, attempting to assassinate or assisting in the assassination of 50 foreign heads of state, right? This is the reality of the of the United States government in terms of its of its foreign policy. Uh, this is how many people around the world know the United States government. According to a, a, a recent um, global public opinion poll, you know, we're talking about it's it's funny because it's a very American centric viewpoint that, that you just expressed, mm -hmm. Brendan. And I think you would be you would find a lot of company in the United States. Right. This whole mm -hmm. national security question. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look outside the United States by a pretty wide margin when you look at, you know, what is, you know, what is, who is the, what is the greatest threat to, to global peace, right? Place in those terms. It's not this notion of terrorism. In fact, it's the United States government, right? And it's obvious why. And it's, it's because of what we've talked about with respect to the military, right? You know, the military's everywhere. And um, they ain't there to protect people. You know, that's not what militaries do. You know, that's something that should be drilled into kids' head. You know, capital, the reality of capitalism should be drilled into third graders' heads the same way that democracy is, is drilled into their heads in, in third grade, mm -hmm. right? And the purpose of the military should be drilled into children's heads in third grade as well, right? I mean, we don't need any of these noble lies, right? It sounds like you're mm -hmm. reading the philosophers, right? We don't need mm -hmm. any of Plato's noble lies, right? You know, yeah. Santa Claus is a noble lie. Right, I'll live with that one, right? And Santa Claus is real. I ain't got no problem with that one, right? <laughs> but, you know, the military is used to kill people. That's what it's used for. It does, it's, that's, what it's, that's what it's used for. It's, it's, it's a destructive force. You know, it's necessary at times, right? Hitler's armies wouldn't have stopped. You couldn't have stopped Hitler's armies with a Gandhi-like protest. You know, he wasn't mm -hmm. going for that. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. you needed to kill them. Right, I mean, you needed to in, invade. That's the outrageousness that's going on right now by some of these jokers that are Trump supporters. Right, you know, talking about how fascism is going to the United States and their rights are being suppressed because in the middle of a public health crisis, God forbid, the United States government is asking them to wear masks. Right, 
that to yeah. stop the spread, right? And they're saying, oh, it's fast. It's like, you know, your grandfather might have stormed the beach at Normandy and died in Europe trying to actually stop fascism, right? So there's a there's a time for violence. There's no question about it. You know, you, you talk about the utopian society, the ideal society. Uh, my own view is uh, I, I do think the place for violence in, in, in some modern configuration of society hopefully will only be in sport, right? Will only be in mm-hmm. the sports arena mm-hmm. and will not be wars between countries. Won't be intra personal violence won't be interpersonal violence right mm-hmm. but that you know you, you've got to deal with a whole range of issues you know you got to you got to bring psychological and emotional health out of the closet right you yeah know? you got to you know you got to I mean, there's just so many but it can be done you know mm-hmm. it can be done yep. history moves slow but it can be done yeah and like you're yeah. saying it's it's there for us to see yeah we just really have to look you got to look yeah people got to dive deep you got you got to and you got to do stuff like this right yep. so, yeah yeah Man, how long have we been going? Man. 20 minutes. <laughs> three, about three hours. Yeah. I can't thank you enough, though. I no. think um, this well. For real. Yeah. yeah, this like well, like researched and thought out opinion. Like people, you, I think you presented the information and people can like form whatever opinions they want. Yeah. But just having that information and that basis mm-hmm. is so important. And yeah, that mm-hmm. takeaway of it's out there. Like we just can't let this stuff pass us by. Absolutely, right? You know, um, what I'd say is this thank you for having me. I'm, I'm Absolutely. glad to be here. Thank you. Abs- thank you. You know, I'm I'm happy to be here. I always say I'm a five-hour talker, right? So, you know, we're, we still got a couple hours to go right now. I'm, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it, absolutely, right? I mean, this is... This is what people need to be doing, right? Sitting around talking about the world and then long and conversations. Doing Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right? It's not a, these aren't simple matters. They can't be done in ten minute conversations. That's mm-hmm. exactly. You know, do we even get ten minute conversations? Right? I mean, think ten about, minute clips on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> yep, that's it. Think about your pals, right? I mean, I know we're at right there, but you know, you know, think about your pal. You know, at least with my pals, I mean, I can barely get their attention. The I'll say the majority of my pals for two minutes before they look at the cell phone. I'd say one minute mm. before they look at the cell phone. If I specifically go sit down to have lunch with one of my smarter friends, we'll, we'll go back and forth, you know, the full hour, but he'll still be interrupted, you mm-hmm. know, with his cell phone, Something. you know, a couple times. So yeah. absolutely, you know, it's, it's, uh, absolutely, you know, the, the world is, is, is a beautiful place and, and there's, horror going on all at once and it's worth talking about mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. so thank you for having me i, I yeah i am absolutely I'm thankful to be here and i definitely learned a lot i appreciate yeah. it thank you all so much for tuning in if you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more about it and definitely hear more about what brennan and i think about it tune into office hours dropping next week on sunday